two dudes on one of over a thousand explorable planets, this is the Max Level Podcast. Welcome home. For the uninitiated, Max Level is a weekly breakfast powwow brought to you by RPGera.com. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this morning, he is the not only the co-host of Blood and Destroyers and all the wrestling podcasts every Monday, but he is also the co-host of The Fans Are Way Too Noisy. It is Sev. It is like brunch night. I'm on multiple podcasts now. I can't even keep up with myself. But, uh, <laughs> hello, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, this week, I did manage to scrap together a meme for you, but this week, you are going to be four brides. Fall prize. Dude, hell yeah. Look at all my faces. We did, and we got some uh, beautiful new faces today, didn't we, during your streams. So uh, next week, yeah, I should have some were, uh, new content. You were capping things, yeah. Capping things without my uh, without my permission. Taking <laughs> my likeness and... No, I'm just kidding. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, man, that's good. That's good. And the free update coming soon, right? For Fall Guys or Fall Brise. Free yeah. update coming soon. Mm-hmm. Going multi-platform. Special shout out to Acom's Laser for a majority of the music you'll hear today during the show. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Please take a moment and do us a favor if you'd be so kind as well. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app that you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continuing to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zanku. Sev, we have a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to cover today. Uh, it has been a busy week, starting with the uh, PlayStation State of Play that was about a week and a half ago on, I think that was June 2nd, and then leading up to Monday the 6th with the Limited Run Game Showcase. We had a busy day on Thursday with the Summer Game Fest stuff, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We've had a lot of non-E3 content this non-E3 season. And you and I are going to do our best to recap all of that and and talk a little bit about each of those showcases. You and I sat down like we do for Blood and Destroyers and ranked everything. Should we do it like we do Blood and Destroyers? (laughs) Um, We could try, but there's there's quite a few of them that I don't have a lot to say on. No, that's okay. That's okay. I just was wondering if we should like pick somebody to start with their lowest and pick somebody to start with the highest and then just kind of meet in the middle because we will meet in the middle since there's an odd number. Um, I wonder if we should do that because that will make it fun. And you know what? We, we are just going to do that because that'll make it fun. And that'll give us time to focus on each one of these showcases and discuss them a little bit more in depth. I did, obviously, since I was live for most of these, take pretty detailed notes. So I have stuff that happened on all of them. But before we get to that, we are going to be combining the Sean Waltman lightning round that normally takes place a little on later in the show with our main discussion. So we won't have a a centered news discussion this week. Everything is going to fall around that main discussion and recapping this summer of gaming stuff. So right after we finish What's New With You, we'll jump into the new release roulette. But speaking of it, it's time to jump into What's New With You. And Sev, we're going to kick things off this week with a game that just came out on Friday. Uh, we are talking Supermassive's latest interactive drama horror game, much that, you know, in, in their style, right? They they focus on those kind of games, obviously, Until Dawn, the Dark Pictures Anthology series, 
And again, it just came out on Friday. I am about two hours in. I'm on chapter two. Each chapter seems like it's going to take about an hour or so to get through. I am on chapter two. But much to my surprise, you've already finished this game. I am, yeah. The the one person who doesn't like playing horror games has already finished a horror game. I have I have finished. Did you binge it? Did you play did you finish it in one setting? I didn't know. I played I played maybe like an hour or so, went to work, came back, played another couple of hours, and then the next day I finished it off. So, yeah, in about three sittings, but in, okay. over the space of like a day and a half, two days. Not bad. Not bad. Um, I was a little impressed when you posted your screenshot in our game challenge thread that you had already finished this. And you did say you were going to go back and kind of replay because that's what these games are are meant to do. But the quarry is basically Supermassive's take on Friday the 13th, right? So you are playing as these camp counselors at Hackett's Quarry Summer Camp. And without getting into spoiler content, the game did just come out. So we, we will tread lightly when it t- comes to talking about story content and and that kind of stuff. And, and really, that's pretty much all the quarry is, right? There's even a yeah. movie mode you can kind of trigger and just have the game sort of play itself. But um, I do want to talk just a little bit here on the mechanics of the quarry because it is something that Until Dawn has sort of been perfecting over the years uh, not Until Dawn, Supermassive. Um, that's the name of the studio. Until Dawn was just the name of a game. And I know you said you haven't played the Dark Pictures Anthology trilogy yet, but you did play Until Dawn, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I played and beaten Until Dawn, and then, yeah, I kind of skipped the Dark Pictures ones. I'm thinking now that I should go back and just play them all. Like, I picked up well. the triple pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah you may as well. They're just like this. I mean, you know, same type of games, just obviously a little bit not so much rooted in the horror film franchises that Until Dawn and The Quarry are. So having skipped over the Dark Pictures anthology and coming to The Quarry from Until Dawn, which you probably played years ago when it released, how did you feel The Quarry held up to that? So um, I feel like it was, and I have read this, like when I played the game, I didn't want to look at any sort of like how long to beat. I didn't look at any reviews or anything like that, because as you said, like it's a very story-based game. So I didn't really want anything spoiled for me. Um, So once I finished it, I went and looked at reviews just to see if what I was thinking was the same thing as what other people were thinking. Um, yeah, and the quarry is a little less interactive than Until Dawn is. Like Until Dawn, there were a lot of scenes where you walked around and did a lot of like exploring, whereas the quarry, there's a lot less of that. There is a few scenes where you do wander around a little bit, but you only ever seem to like wander to a different point, press an interact button, and then something else happens. Yeah, they're very small areas, even from what I noticed throughout the prologue in chapter one. Like the, the few instances where you get to wander around and kind of seek out those collectibles that are scattered throughout all the different chapters chapters the areas aren't that big that you're kind of in yeah correct and to be honest i don't think they get much bigger throughout the entire game unless you're being funneled through like a corridor or something like that yeah yeah so when you finish this because this is a game where you can have everybody survive if you're lucky and you play this game almost perfectly or you can have everybody die if you play terribly so I think you said you finished with what? Four alive? Somewhere around there? Yeah. That's not bad. Not bad for a blind playthrough without looking anything up. Yeah, and I did, like, this isn't a spoiler, but I did lose five people in one scene. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So you had, because there's only nine playable characters, so you had everybody alive until, like, late game. Mm, 
that's yeah let's go with there's nine playable characters um but yeah i had most of the counselors alive <laughs> till the end and then yeah they started very much like in until dawn i think i got to like chapter eight and then i was i lost the one lady down a trap door and then within like two two chapters i'd lost the majority of the other people as well <laughs> um, but yeah that kind of similar thing happened I thought I was making the right choices and then all of a sudden it turned on its head and I lost a bunch of them. Yeah, I'm trying to play through this meticulously and and I I am trying to because my goal is in my first playthrough to keep everybody alive. Like that was that's my goal in every game I play that Supermassive puts out is I always try to play through keeping everybody alive. And I've only done that successfully once without having to look anything up. Um, I'm hoping that I'm able to here because that will kind of cut down on because I do plan on platinuming in this game. Uh, they are fairly easy to platinum and they don't take super long to do that. So it will be a nice trophy to, to throw on my shoulder that I'm sure Viz will have one day. But um, I I do want to do that. And because I've read that this game doesn't just let you play individual chapters like whenever you want. Once you finish the game, there is a chapter select. But once you choose to go back to a chapter, you have to like play through the game from that point on. You can't say play chapter two and then jump and play chapter eight. You can't jump around. Okay. See, I know there is like once you finish the game, it gives you more like a death rewind mode and it allows you uh, three times during another playthrough to uh, rewind when a character dies. But from what I've heard, uh, you could have locked that death in maybe a chapter or two ago. So if that right, so you'd have you'd have to you'd have to go back even further. Yeah, it'll take you back like two or three hours to make the different decision. Um, So it's. It sounds like a neat idea on paper, but you could end up, yeah, having to retread the same thing over and over again. Right, which is why I think, like, after you play through it once, it's probably just a better idea to follow, like, a a walkthrough to keep everybody alive. And then if you want to get the platinum trophy, just follow a walkthrough to get the rest of the trophies as well. Cause it'll tell you what you need to do. Right. Power picks probably has one up by now. Uh, he puts together those trophy platinum guide walkthroughs pretty quick. Um, I am enjoying this game though. Like I said, I, I didn't get to put a ton of time into it over the last few days. Like you did. I am like very impressed that you did sit down and finish this completely. Did you get scared at all? Did this did this make you pee your pants? No, it didn't. I had one jump scare, um, and I was expecting a lot more. Um, I was quite tense throughout a lot of it, but I just find if I sung to myself while I was doing it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What song were you singing? I was just making stuff up. Like, I don't know. I'm going to look in the carpet. I'm you weren't sure singing the cheeky song. There. No, I wasn't my number, My number song. one hit. No, oh, if someone had jumped out, I'd have been like, oh, cheeky, cheeky. Cheeky, cheeky, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did have a lot of fun playing this. And I, if I do another playthrough, I'm probably going to do another blind playthrough and see if I can figure stuff out on my own before I go back and do, before I actually, because I ended it and there was like loads of really cool stuff that I didn't realize I could have changed and altered so i kind of want to see if i can do that myself before looking up a guide and having the entire thing blown open for me right because there is a lot here in this game right there's a ton of collectibles the tarot cards that you can find throughout the levels there's clues to kind of find out what's actually going on at hackett's quarry and the surrounding areas a lot of creepy characters that you'll come across like travis the policeman who I'm, i'm dying to learn more about and um uh, hopefully not dying to learn more about that's probably a bad choice of words there because i don't want to lose any of my characters 
but um, I'm enjoying this. I, I love their formula and I, I appreciate how quick because these games aren't like super in depth. They they pump these out pretty, pretty quickly. Like there's another Dark Pictures anthology coming out in October, if I'm not mistaken. And they just put out another one like last October or September. They crank these games out pretty fast. Yeah, I don't think any of us expected. They only announced the quarry like a couple of months ago. Yeah, this is a, this is a brand new announcement too. Like within the last two or three months. Yeah, we were all expecting. Oh, it's just another Dark Pictures game coming out. They're like, no, there's a quarry. And it'll be out in like on the tenth of June. Like, oh, wicked! Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Much more. Much more in that until dawn style. Like they they're utilizing you know well known actors and actresses. David Arquette's in this game. Brenda Song, who I'm a big fan of, is in this game. A lot of well known names are here. And that's always exciting because you don't really get that with the Dark Pictures anthology. They're just, you know, I, I don't think they are. Maybe some of them are actors and actresses, but I don't I don't think of any big names have been any of those. Like the last time we had big names was with Until Dawn, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. But like, is it Hayden Panettiere, Rami Malek and stuff like yep, that? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I will put more time into this game tonight i probably will try to get another few chapters ahead i would like to how many chapters total were there 10 12 somewhere around there 10 there are 10 10? okay so i'm gonna shoot to have my first playthrough finished maybe tomorrow night if i'm lucky but if not tomorrow then definitely on tuesday because unlike you, you purchased this game, which is kind of shocking. I rented it from Gamefly, so I don't want to keep it out too long. I would like to send it back so that way I can keep a steady flow of games coming. Even though there's not a ton coming right now, I do still have Ghostwire Tokyo checked out from Gamefly as well. That I did jump back into this week. I, I did do chapter three in Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, so I'm on chapter four of, I think, five or six now in that game. So I will hopefully have that done too. And I even, when I was installing the quarry off the disc, I even jumped in and played some Catherine full body. Like I was telling you during our, one of our reactions over on youtube.com forward slash RPG I think it was during the, maybe the Xbox Bethesda showcase, but um, yeah, it is a beautiful game. And I never finished the, the full body remastered. Obviously when I jumped into that, I instantly started trying to go down the Rin path because she was the new content, a new character, but I'd still planned on, like because I was playing it when it first came out like almost two years ago I was going to just replay through the whole thing and do all the endings again now I think I'm just going to do my Rin route and be done with that game just since because it's been out for a while I'm not like you I don't go back and play that game every year <laughs> oh, I've, I've got it down to about four and a half five hours to do a full run through so it's one I like yeah I like to, it's a nice morning for me every like February February I try and wait till February the 14th but I never make it there it's usually like February 3rd or 4th and I'll, I'll do that but um I have, that's funny i have challenged viz because he said he's going to pick the quarry up on wednesday so i've okay. given him till uh we record the fans next week so not this episode but the next episode uh we both should have finished it by then so oh, we're he gonna, can do that yeah we're both gonna we're gonna scrap our trash talk segment at the beginning what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a little quarry uh spoiler cast right at the very oh, end oh nice i'll have it finished by then so i'll i'll definitely since i'll be listening to your show hopefully i need to get caught up on that i will be interested to see what you guys have to say yeah i just i just I, i'm desperate to know somebody else at the moment who has who has played it who's finished it like what outcomes they got what different things they saw um so yeah i can't wait to talk to people so brian when you finish it you need to let me know the second you finish 
finished it so that I can yeah. start saying spoilers to you. I absolutely it. will. Yeah, no, I definitely will do that. It is a game that I will be invested in. I love their, you know, their storytelling and their just cinematic approach to these games. Um, the QTEs don't seem that like robust in the quarry. They they seem more spread out. I remember like until dawn, the QTE sequences were sometimes pretty long. Maybe they get longer throughout the game, but just in the prologue in chapter one, they're they're pretty simplistic. Yeah, so I think they're more about like moving the analog stick rather than I don't remember if they were ever like pressing different combinations of buttons, but in this one they are just moving the analog stick like up, down, left, or right. Yeah, uh, yeah which is course. a little disappointing because I do like my uh, my my QT martial events to be uh, to be less than five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's the uh, that's the optimal time, isn't it? The optimal time. Got to got to beat the QTEs in five minutes or less. Otherwise, hooks better than you. He is, and you know it. <laughs> well, I don't want to say too much more on the quarry again because it did just come out, and otherwise, talking about the gameplay mechanics and some of the stuff you can do in the game, we'd really be getting into spoiler territory. So, we're going to save the spoiler content for not this coming up week's episode, but the following week's episode of The Fans Are Way Too Noisy. Go check that out. Listen to Seven Viz talk some spoiler content for the quarry if you finished it by then. And if you haven't finished it by then, bookmark the episode, come back to it later, and, and check it out then. Do yeah, that. if, if- if Fizz hasn't finished it by then, I'm going to spoil the whole thing for him. Just do it. Be like, I yeah, told you, yeah. you had it until this day. <laughs> Fuck you. Here's what happens. <laughs> He'd be so mad at you. He'd be so uh, mad at you. But we do have a treat here as we continue on with what's new with you, because I have been sitting down and playing some Diablo Immortal since it released earlier this month. And man, I can't wait to talk about Diablo 4 later on in the show. But Sean... You may remember him. He used to be on this podcast. Hopefully he will be again one day. Has also been playing some Diablo Immortal alongside me. We've been playing it co-op and have not been jumping in solo. We've just been playing it together. So over the last few days, he and I sat down and had a nice discussion on what we thought up through level 30, because that's where we both are so far in Diablo Immortal. So let's kick to that. Sev, you and I'll be right back after this. All right. And as mentioned, I am now joined here by Sean. It's been a while, man. Hey, what's going on? People forgot what your voice sounded like. That's probably a good thing. (laughs) You have been on some recent episodes of the Media Files lately as the uh, Marvel correspondent in the field. I have been listening to those. Yeah, it's really tough, man. It's a tough job. Someone's got to do it. You got to go where the uh, where the action takes you, right? You got to go into the multiverse. You got to uh, what's what's the new Thor tagline? I'm sure you'll be going there soon, right? I don't know, man, but it's on July 8th and my body's ready. I know. Kyle already told me that that episode's queued up for like the second or third week of July. <laughs> I, you know files. what, dude? I'm looking right now. Let's see. July 8th is a Friday. Uh, I plan on seeing it on Friday. I have to. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good. No more Thursday nights at 9 p.m. or midnight, though, huh? We're, we're too no, old for man, that now. That's, that's a young man's game, dude. I can't do that. The last Staying movie I went and saw 2 on a midnight release was Gatsby. Wow. Like six or seven years ago, right, when that movie came out? Yeah. I went to a midnight release for that. Good old Leo! It was a good movie. but I never watched it. <laughs> we're not here to talk Leo. We're not here to talk <laughs> Gatsby. We're not even here to talk Marvel. Instead, we're here today talk Diablo. Diablo hype is running high right now, Sean. Immortals out there. We had the news of Diablo 4 in the Xbox showcase this past Sunday. Sev and I will talk about that a little bit more later on in the show. Diablo fever is running high, baby. As it should be, to be honest with you. It it cracks me up because a couple years ago, 
when my boy Wyatt Chang came on stage and talked about mm-hmm. this, we we basically put that dude on a spit and roasted him on a fire for it. But it's not a bad game, dude. And it's the game not a is bad actually game. the game is actually so fun to me that I would entertain playing it on a phone. But I don't want to because there's a no. PC version. There's a know? PC version, and that is, in my opinion, probably you know the better version. I mean, granted, the PC version still is in beta. I've not played this on the phone, but I do know that sometimes mobile phone games can be kind of rough um from what i've heard this game runs fine on mobile devices so you know that's definitely good to hear but you and i both installed diablo immortal from the blizzard launcher jumped in last weekend we didn't get to play any this weekend i was hoping we would go we were going to you and i didn't actually get a chance to sit down granted i was doing so much stuff with the um summer game fest showcases and reacting to so many things on our youtube channel that uh i haven't had a ton of time to game this week but we got to level 30 the first night we yeah, jumped we in. I think we beat, what, the first act or whatever? First act, I want to say, started act two, maybe. Uh, we got up to the the, the the sea, but it's not really a sea. It's like a sandy sea. I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the name of the area. But it's like a <laughs> desert that they call a sea in the game. Uh, and we logged out shortly after doing a couple quests in that area. So first off, I'm a little impressed that we were able to get up to level 30 in just one sitting in a game that has, you know, a level cap of 60 right now, plus an end game that I was kind of checking out and looking into. Now I say checking out, but I wasn't playing it. I was, I was looking into it. You and I have been trying to play this game together. I know I didn't jump back in after you and I finished and I don't think you have either. So no, no. I booted it up to see what the controller support was, but I, I couldn't really get it to recognize my dual sense the way okay. that I wanted it to. Yeah. And so I just basically said, screw this, I'm out. Yeah, I don't blame you there. I know when we were just playing, I was just playing with, you know, mouse keyboard. Um, Kyle did join us for a little bit when we first jumped in. Like, he logged in when you and I started our characters and played with us for almost an hour, I want to say. Probably, like, the first hour that we played through this game. Yeah, he played for a little while, yeah. It didn't seem like he was enjoying it nearly as much as we were. No, and and I don't know if Diablo Immortal is everybody's cup of tea. You know, when you talk about the game, it's very rough. Let's be honest. It's fun, but it's rough. You can tell that it's not meant to be displayed on the PC screen because it's right. This was a last minute decision. Yeah. And and the graphics definitely suffer. The UI suffers everything. But that's why it's in beta, you know, and, and that's fine with me. I'm okay with playing it in beta. And, you know. When you, I'm pulling my inner Dan, I'm saying a lot of you knows. You're gonna have to edit those. <laughs> That's okay. No, we'll we'll leave them in. We gotta channel channel the Dan. Maybe he'll show up on a podcast episode eventually in the future. I, I want to say Diablo Immortal is um, probably the best appetizer we could have asked for while we wait for Diablo Four. Given that you know it's six months until 2023, it's probably not coming out early 2023 either. So it, it's you know we play this for a little while, have some about fun a year. And- I I would say Diablo Four is probably going to be a summer title next year yeah that makes yeah, the most yeah. sense yeah makes makes good sense and and honestly that's when i would want it to come out anyways i think that the winter and springtime is difficult for me to get into a game like that right just you know they're everything that's going on with family and everything else with holidays and then boom you know you're in summertime and all of a sudden you have all this time in the day 
That sounds great to me. So this is definitely a great way to sate my my hunger for Diablo until we get in. That being said, I actually think this game is more innovative than people think. It's not and bad, dude. It's not the bad. The WASD component to it game is changer. cool. It's, game it's a changer, game changer, in my opinion, yeah. Now, now, I will say it's difficult to WASD and then hit 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 for your abilities. True. And so I ended up clicking around quite a bit, and I noticed, because I was a ranged character, I played as the wizard, I, I noticed that when I moved around with my mouse, my character would stutter step quite a bit. Not only that, but if you click on an area, it's very much like the old-style point-and-click way of moving in Diablo. Like, your character yeah. will just take off running. So, you yeah. know, one of your your main attack ability is, is keyed to your left-click on your mouse. So as I'm sitting there clicking, if I accidentally click on the terrain or the environment as opposed to the enemy, my character just takes off running yep. and then just auto runs around. And I was like, what the fuck is he doing? And then I figured out what I was doing wrong. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not terrible. It's not something that's going to make me not play the game. It's just little things you got to get used to. And I'm not so sure that the control scheme is that much different from traditional Diablos, but at the same time, that WASD is pretty cool. Yeah, man. I, I definitely like that WASD movement. I really do. I'm down with it. I think I think if there's a precursor to what Diablo 4 would be like, I would hope that's it. I, and, and maybe I need to play more with the WASD and change key bindings and different things like that. That would be something I'd be down with. Uh, I, I miss having my Razer uh, mouse with the with the 10 with key the pads on the side. Dude, like yeah. For the MMO. That the mouse I have now has, has two buttons. Like, I, I, I could probably key map two of those abilities to these two buttons. I didn't actually do that when we were playing through. I just got used to the standard keybinds yeah. um i wish we had speaking of that i wish we had more slots for our skills i do wish that because you can only have you know outside of your main attack you just have the four equipped and we've been on throughout those 30 levels we've been unlocking some cool shit that i wish i could just pull off without having to unequip something else <laughs> you know what though? hey i like that because there's a lot of opportunities for you to tailor the play style true when th when this game got announced it just seemed like it was going to be one of those like you know point tap uh, games and, and it is to some it's like I want to say at level 30, what you get like maybe two abilities per slot and you have to choose between one of the two. And, and, and I liked it. There were there were abilities that worked for me and there were abilities that didn't work for my play style. And so I was down with that. But that being said, I think the ultimate is the most important thing for me. Yes, you know, when, each, when you each individual class has their own ultimate ability. Yeah, it's freaking sweet. And I, to, to my knowledge so far i've only noticed that it affects your standard attack Am right I, that's all i've noticed yeah. it just affects yes. your basic your left click attack that you have on there yeah but it's a good it's a good ace in the hole yeah i mean in in diablo in the past i didn't really have that it was it was kind of like you just had to get your rotation down on your abilities and manage your mana you know pop a health potion every once in a while that kind of changes it up for me i'm i'm always looking for when i might anticipate a boss or you know, when something may come up, I'm, I'm wondering, oh, man, should I hang on to my ultimate for this? Right. Which is I, what you I and I both that. started doing. We were saving it as we got further and further into the game. Like we were saving them for the boss fights in those dungeons where it says, you know, complete this in X amount of time. Right. Like get through this and, and kill every enemy as fast as you can, basically, and beat the timer to get the chests. Like we saved our ultimates for that last boss there and we got all those chests unlocked. Yeah. Now, I will say this. I'm a little discouraged by the whole currency pay for play. 
part of Diablo Immortal. And yes, that is something I hope doesn't carry over into 4. It, yeah, and, and that's kind of where I get a little nervous, right? Because this game is definitely a microtransaction game. There's, gosh, I would say out of every Blizzard game, this has the most Activision touch to it that I've oh, ever seen. 100%. And the scary thing is, they've like players are already showing Blizzard that they're willing to spend absorbent amount of money on this shit. Yes, yes. It, and I've seen comparisons of when people want to like activate the money abilities and, and do a boss fight in the drops and i would say there's at least three legendary type items in there but when you don't activate the money abilities you get one you know it's about three to one right now but i don't think you need that no I think if we, you, just you and i were having game, so good. much fun together right like group up with some friends all of this content according to the developers can be completed solo but i don't know that i'd recommend that it's a lot more fun to jump in with friends and just have a good time um, group up with some friends and just plow through this content, man. Like, there's no reason to spend any money on this game. We didn't no. spend a dime and had a ton of fun for almost four hours. We had fun doing things that you normally don't do in Diablo games either. It was a brand new experience. There's people in your world. There's people playing in your game. Uh, right. It's a server-based service. There's a Baron's chat, for games. God's sakes. There's a Baron's chat. We were talking about all sorts of weird stuff in there. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, we would we would laugh and make fun of everybody's names that walked by. It was great. Yep. Dude, that shit kind of gives me, like, it's simple things like that that are just super enjoyable that, like, MMOs have that appeal, right? Because that's how MMOs live and breathe and die. Like, this has a lot of elements of that, and I do think a lot of that is going to carry over into Diablo 4, since they did say Diablo 4 was going to run on a shared world just like Immortal is doing. Um, you mentioned earlier you were playing as the wizard class. I, I do want to bring up the six classes that this game does have in there right now. I chose to play as the Crusader. And I believe Kyle chose the Necromancer, right? I think he did. Yep. The Necromancer. The yep. Necromancer, yeah, as he said today during the Diablo 4 trailer. <laughs> but other than that, the other three that we didn't talk about, we have the Barbarian, the Monk, and the Demon Hunter as well. All of which we've seen people playing in the game, and they all seem relatively fun to play as. I would tell you, I, may, I think I made a mistake. You think um, you shouldn't have been a wizard? I, I don't think so. I mean... My name in the game is Sorcerer Supreme, and I really do feel like I am the Sorcerer Supreme. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like in this game, you got to go with your roots. You really, like, if you really want to enjoy the new experience and see what it's like and how different it is to play Diablo Immortal, I, I need to be a barbarian, I think. I was going to say, you probably should have been a barbarian. Yeah, and, and I'm going to have to live with that. You know, that's that's on me. That's a mistake I've made. I need to learn from it and grow, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's the big reason i went with crusader because i tend to play these like especially in mmos i i do and have been enjoying over the last 10 plus years when i switch from dps like i've been enjoying the tankier classes in mmos and that's exactly what a crusader basically is the crusader does a good job of doing damage though it does it's not, it really it's does. not like you roll into a fight and you're struggling to keep up with like me or anybody else you have great abilities that clear out people and and that's the thing about this game that I'm excited about is a lot of the different classes all are strong. It's definite it's definitely a game made for people who are who are not as skilled. Let's just say that. Sure, of course, of course, yeah. 
And I, I, that's definitely by design. It's one of those mobile design choices. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get people excited about it. Give them a little taste of success for five ninety nine. You know, you can you can pump up the jams and, and just go crazy. I don't I don't think I'm ever going to pay for eternal orbs, though. I don't think so. I, either. I don't I don't There's think no I'm going to get any of the currency. I'm not going to do any of that. If I really loved this game towards the end of the game and there was some way to continue to enjoy it, then maybe, you know, maybe. Because I think at that point, if you've getting, uh, I don't know, how, I don't even know how long we played, but I'm assuming you'd have to put in at least 10, 12 more hours to get to max level from where we've been now. That's a lot of yeah, time to put it's gonna, into a It's going to slow down, right? Like, it can't yeah. go as quick as it was because the experience is going to take longer to get through those levels. So it should, conde- or you know, extend the playtime as we get into our late 30s, 40s, and 50s on our way to 60. Like, you know, it, just like an MMO should. Like, it should take longer. If it doesn't, that sucks. Right. And I think if you enjoy the game that much, then a couple of microtransactions to show your appreciation of the developer are great, but I don't think they need it. I think this game is serving the purpose that it was made to do, and that is to get people pumped for Diablo 4. Yeah. Exactly. I really, I'm really, I think they mission accomplished, man. If you, if you make a couple bucks off it, great. Someone's got to pay back all that money they paid for Activision Blizzard at Microsoft. But I think they're looking to go all in on Diablo 4 for that. Agreed. And like you said, I mean, there is no reason to purchase any microtransactions. But if there is something cool that you want, like games that I get review keys for, I tend to pick up a, a DLC or, you know, just something out of the store just because... I still want to show my support and appreciation toward the developers. Like, I could see myself doing that here, too. Like, I have purchased cosmetics and mounts and shit for Warcraft in the past. Like, I could easily see myself getting something like that, but there's no reason that I need to get items or anything like that. Well, yeah, but between us, we probably put someone's kid through Harvard. With how much money we gave to Blizzard at this point, so oh, I, of course, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dues, you know, uh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, fifteen dollars a month for 18, 18 years now. I mean, Gosh. that's a lot of fucking money, dude. And especially for me, who's my subscription has been active for a good majority of those years and months. There's only like two years, I think, total, twenty four months maybe of those eighteen years that I didn't pay that fifteen dollars a month. Okay, I, I lie. I mean. You've, you've given them about three, three and a half grand or something like that's that. That's a lot of money, though. There's a lot of money, but that'll probably get you like 30 minutes in a class at Harvard. So th- that's on us. You know, we sh- we really need to get with it. That's like community college. Triple. <laughs> we're, what, sending what them to, we're sending them to uh, fucking uh, Tri-C. Yeah. Or, or whatever the fuck it was called. <laughs> we, we, we paid for an associate's degree. Let's face it. <laughs> Oh, man. This game is definitely fun, though. Um, If you guys like Diablo, definitely worth playing. Definitely if you have friends. If you don't have friends, it's still worth playing. And uh, what server are we on, Sean? We are on the Sand Scorpions, right? Yes. Yes, we are. And and I... We heard it in the game, right? Like it, yeah. it was based it's in off the, of a, it, in the zone that we're in right now, the the desert sea or whatever. Yeah, so it's it's cool. It, it's it's kind of got wild vibes. It does. If you guys want to play with us, myself, Sean, and Kyle are all on the uh, the Sand Scorpion server. I know Sean and I will be plugging away at this game still over the next few weeks on our way to level sixty. I am excited 
to get to max level and, uh, you know, keep gaining experience until you reach max level sort of a thing. That's right. And don't you forget it. I want to check out these raids. I want to see if they're fun. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to check it out on the phone because now I find myself wondering, like, oh, could I sneak in some time here and there? Um, that's not a bad thing. It's no, just the sure. UI on the phone. I wonder how moving works because whenever they display phone gameplay on Blizzard, they kind of show you standing still, just toggling abilities and... I don't really know how that's going to work. So I, I kind of wish I did play on the phone so I could come on here and talk about it. But that's okay. I don't really have that big of a phone. And I feel like a game like this, you need to have a bigger phone. To play it on an iPad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not getting away with this on an iPhone SE, man. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Sean, it was a pleasure having you back on Max Level. Thanks for uh, helping me chat about Diablo Immortal. You're the only one I wanted for this because we spent so much time playing Diablo mortal together and like i said we got time to go we need to finish this let's get it done let's do it before we kick to the new release roulette let's hear kyle's voice tell us about the media files my name's kyle This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. All right, Sev, you know what that music means. It is time for the new release roulette. And we have three games coming out this week. Two of them, I think you and I are both pretty excited about. One in particular, but I think two of these games you and I are pretty excited about. So let's talk about these. Game number one coming on Thursday to PC and Nintendo Switch. It is Neon White. Neon White is a lightning fast first person action game about exterminating demons in heaven. You are White, an assassin handpicked from hell to compete with other demon slayers for a chance to live permanently in heaven. The other assassins seem familiar, though. Did you know them in a past life? Are you picking this up? Oh, maybe. I'm drawing a blank on this one. My brain's gone white. Your, bra- your brain's gone white. Just do a quick search for it. Just neon white the Google. And uh, remember what this game is. We've, we talked about it during the Summer Game Fest showcase. And I know you said you were interested in it, but I don't know if this is something that you are picking up day one. I, for sure, am going to be picking this game up, probably on Switch. I, I have been looking forward to this since they revealed it a year or two ago. It's, it's always had this, like, interesting art style and mechanic that I was super kind of intrigued by. Um, oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, now you now you remember it. This game looks dope, dude. This game looks dope. Yeah, it totally crossed my mind this was coming out uh, this soon. Yeah. Yeah, now you remind me I'll have to go and look it up on the, uh, on the eShop. Yeah, I don't know how much it's going to be. Yeah, that's where I'm getting it on the Switch. And I know on Steam, it's $25. So I imagine on the eShop, it's somewhat similar, which isn't a bad price for this game. That's, you know, basically less than half price of a full-fledged game now since games cost $70. So that's not bad. That's not bad. $25 is about right for this game. I'm looking forward to it. Game number two coming on Thursday as well. All three of these games are coming on Thursday this week. This is coming to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. It is Redout 2. The fastest racing game in the universe. 
Red Out 2 is a tribute to classic arcade racing games and the sequel to the critically acclaimed Red Out, where racing through the dystopian wastelands of a semi-abandoned Earth is one of the galaxy's most popular sports. Reach impossible speeds and exhilarating futuristic races across an extensive single-player campaign and competitive multiplayer. Deep control systems, robust hovership customization, and a killer soundtrack make Red Out 2 the premier anti-gravity racer. So I own Red Out, and yeah, I, I enjoyed Red Out. Did, did you enjoy Red Out? Yeah, I think I only played like an hour or two of it, but for what I played, I did, I did enjoy it. I kind of want to pick out, pick out, pick up Red Out 2 as well, because it's the closest thing that we get to F-Zero now. <laughs> yeah. I love these, uh, you know, futuristic, fast-paced racing games like F-Zero really spoiled me back on the Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64. Obviously, Wipeout on the PlayStation, that's always been a great series as well. So, I do think I will pick this up. I don't know how much this is. I guess I could look now. Let's see, Red Out 2 on Steam does not say. I wonder if it has a price on Switch, because that's probably the other place I would pick it up. Nope, it's not even on the eShop yet. I can't imagine the game being more than like 20 or $30, though. So I think this will be something I... Yeah, like a budget title. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't imagine it being, you know, pricey. So there's a good chance I buy all three. Well, I only have to buy two of these games on Thursday. Um, but there is a good chance since I don't have to buy our third game anymore that I actually put that money into Red Out 2 because it is something that I think I would enjoy and um, I don't know if this has like a campaign. I imagine it does. Some sort of campaign. Yeah, you'd hope so. I would hope so. Yeah. Extensive career mode. Fly through hundreds of events across 36 (laughs) unique racetracks. There it is. Found it. All of which are reversible. From arena races and time attacks to last man standing and intense boss races, dart past the competition and dominate the finish line. So yeah, there is a career move. I think I'll probably get this. I can see myself spending some time with that. However, the game that I will be jumping into first on Thursday is game number three. Coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. And even though it is just PS4 and Xbox One, remember through backward compatibility, you can play this on Xbox Series and PS5 as well. It is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge features groundbreaking gameplay rooted in timeless classic brawling mechanics brought to you by the beat-em-up experts at Dotemu, who were known for Streets of Rage 4 and Tribute Games. Bash your way through gorgeous pixel art environments and slay tons of valacious enemies with your favorite turtle, each with his own skills and moves, making each run unique. Choose a fighter, use radical combos to defeat your opponents, and experience intense combats filled with, loaded with, not filled with, loaded with breathtaking action and outrageous ninja abilities. Stay sharp as you face off against Shredder and his faithful Foot Clan alone, or grab your best buds and play with up to six players simultaneously. And remember, it'll be playable on day one through Xbox Game Pass. How excited are you for this game? Oh, I'm mega mega excited for this this was probably one of the best announcements at the uh the entire summer game to be honest yeah just finding out its release date and finding out that it was coming to game pass <laughs> see brian do you remember a game called um final vendetta i do was shown, was shown off um i can't remember we, we watched it maybe like last year and it's one that looks a lot like old school streets of rage Yes, um, I remember Final that, Vendetta. Yeah, that's due out on the 17th. Is it really? It's, it's coming out this week? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I think it's been made by is it like Numskull Games or that Numsc- Numsc- Num- No, publishing. Uh, Numskull is publishing, and I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Um, so I feel really bad for these guys that like. Um, Did they delay it? Like- because Steam just now says coming soon. Okay, I'm on. I'm on a shop page. I've got just as four days to release. 17th of June. I can pre-order and pay for it. Yeah, well, I mean, I I would still I would still pick it up. Like this is this is oh yeah, I'm looking at the eShop. Yeah, you're right. It does actually say um, that it's releasing on June 17th. I did not see that because I I just looked at the usual calendars of releases when I because I would have included this on the list if I knew about it coming out on the 17th. But it, uh, the eShop has it listed at 25 bucks. Like that's not bad for this game. And again, this is something I would play. Like I would absolutely pick this up. Yeah, I just I just feel bad for this team that like any other there's 364 other days in the year that uh, <laughs> Turtles could have dropped and it drops the day before your brawler comes out. That must be a real gut punch to bear. But then there are people like you that are massive fans of the beat 'em up genre that'll play both of them regardless. Yeah, um, as you said, neither we don't have to pay for Ninja Turtles and it's on Game Pass. Then that frees up some expenses, so I might chuck my money out find a vendor just yeah. to give them a shout out. Yeah, that's definitely something that I would consider picking up as well this week. So uh, we have a fun week. I mean, all three of the games that we talked about officially for the new release roulette are games that I'm interested in. And, you know, throwing in Final Vendetta in there as a as a sneak peek, like, this is a pretty good week. And there's other things coming, like the, the Jurassic World Evolution 2 DLC is coming this week that I'm intrigued by. I do hope that makes its way to the Game Pass version of that game, since I did just install that on my PC. And I'm likely going to be jumping into that soon, because I've been itching for a, for a Tycoon game for a while now, and... That's just the one I landed on to play. But um, good week. Good week. In terms of scoring highest on Open Critic and lowest on Open Critic, I'm obviously going to go Shredder's Revenge scoring highest. I think that's a given. But I'm torn between Neon White and Red Out 2 and what's going to score lowest. So I'll give you my... I'll give you my pick. Um, yeah, I'm sitting with you on the, the TMNT should probably score the highest. And then I think I'm going to pick uh, Neon White for the lowest, just it's not a known commodity. And Red Eye is on its second game, isn't it? So realistically, it should be able to pull a good number. That's, That's what I was cool. thinking too. I was leaning more toward Neon White scoring lowest, but I'm going to take the opposite of you just for the sake of the show. I'll say Red Out 2 scores lowest. Because I do think it is a toss-up between those two on which one would score lowest. Could go either way, in all honesty. It really could. Uh, my pick of the week this week, though, is 100% Shredder's Revenge. Oh, yeah. How could it not be? How could it not be? We've been looking forward to this game for so long, and I'm glad we're finally getting it. And it just makes me hope that the Kawabunga collection that includes all the classic TMNT brawlers will be somewhere around the corner soon. Because I, I will absolutely be picking that up and playing through all those games again, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good year for beat-em-ups. Good year for beat-em-ups so far. Great year for beat-em-ups tonight. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, because this is going to take up a good majority of the rest of the show, let's go ahead and jump into our main discussion this week. And for the main discussion, like I said, we are combining the Sean Waltman lightning round with the main discussion and just doing a big old fat recap of everything that's happened over the last several days of the summer of gaming, summer game fest, whatever the fuck you want to call this non E3 season this year. Uh, We are going to be going over and talking about all of the showcases. We did include the PlayStation state of play, even though we recapped it last week on the show. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on that one, but I did want to include it in our rankings. So speaking of rankings, and we mentioned it earlier in the show, Seven and I do another podcast together called Blood and Destroyers, an all-elite wrestling podcast where we recap the latest week of AEW content. 
And in that show, when we discussed Dynamite and Rampage, he and I rank things. We like to rank things, much like Kyle likes to rank things. And if you listen to the fans are way too noisy, they're on a quest to rank everything in the universe. So (laughs) we took the 13 showcases that we've had over the last week and a half or so. Let me run down these lists. Uh, We have the PlayStation State of Play. We have Limited Run Games 3. We have the Summer Game Fest Showcase. We have the Day of the Devs, Summer Game Fest Edition. We have the Devolver Digital Marketing Countdown to Marketing. We have the IGN Summer of Gaming Showcase. We have the Trebekah Game Showcase. We have the Gorilla Collective 3.0, the Wholesome Games Direct for 2022, the Future of Play Direct, the Future Game Show Summer Game Fest Edition Showcase. We have the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase and the PC Gaming Show. Did I skip anything? I don't think so. I think that's all of them. We had 13 showcases that we sat down and ranked. Seven, I usually, you know, we, we go back and forth for Blood and Destroyers. One week he takes the lows and I take the highs. And then, you know, we flip for the following show. And then whoever started out one way doesn't start out the same way the next week. I don't care how we determine who goes first here. If you want, if you feel more passionate about taking the lows or the highs, I'll just give it to you. Um, which, which one would you rather take? Uh, go on, I'll take the highs. So if I take okay. the lows, that means I've got to talk about my least favorite show. you got to talk about the least that least you don't remember five. anything about. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then I will take the lows, which, like I said, I did take some, some pretty detailed notes during these showcases. So, again, we have 13 presentations that we are ranking, and I have all my notes here. So I'm skipping to the page that has my notes for my first showcase. In the number 13 spot for me is the Future of Play Direct. And I had that at number 13 as well, yeah. Okay, so you and I felt pretty similarly on the Future of Play Direct. There was only a couple things that I wrote down that I really enjoyed from this showcase. Railbound looks kind of cool. I don't know if you remember seeing that during the showcase, but it's like this uh, track bending. Yeah, that track bending puzzle game that looks super cute where you have you have the main, uh, you know, the main actual like engine of the train and then you have some like cars that you have to like lay track down and figure out the best puzzle way on this grid to get them to connect with the actual engine. Seems like a really cute game. Um, and, and I definitely think I would enjoy that. But my my favorite thing from the Future of Play Direct outside of the opening, which I have a feeling you're going to take as your favorite thing from this showcase, so I'm not going to mention it. But my favorite thing from this showcase was Psychroma, which is that narrative-driven side-scrolling game where you're playing as this, like, girl, as they showed her. But throughout the trailer of this, like, cybernetic, cyberpunk future, there were these ghosts and odd, crazy beings that kept popping up, and it felt very much like an actual horror game. Um, I'm intrigued by this game. I want to play it. Okay, I think I do remember that one, actually. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, I was going to give a shout-out to the uh, the dude at the beginning playing like the electric guitar to a lot of classic or a lot of like well-known current modern uh, video game music. That, that yeah, was cool. he was he was popping off to some Lena Rain, to some Austin Winnery, um, Darren Korb from Hades. Dude, he had a good fucking set at the beginning of the show. 
Mm-hmm. That was, I think that was like the, the best part of the show, to be fair. Um, the one game I wrote down that I did like the look of was a game called The Pale Beyond, which was like, um, kind of, I kind of took the grasp that it was like the Banner Saga, but set on, like, I don't think it had any combat, but it was like set on a, a big ship and they were in like the ice. Yes. Sort of, like an icy area. It looks like you kind of have to make decisions and like you try it, you need to try and like keep your crew alive and you'll lose people or you'll manage to save it. You might have to make sacrifices. Um, it's like, it's yeah, like a resource management game as well. Like you right, only okay. have a limited amount of stuff that you're able to, uh, you know, do because you're leading this expedition, as you said, through this like icy landscape and you, you get stuck in the ice or whatever. But if I'm remembering correctly, like, there was a elements of that trailer where you were like voting for the captain of the ship and stuff, which makes me wonder if um, obviously there's going to be a lot of choice based systems in this game. I'm wondering how in depth it'll actually be and how much you can actually change the story of the pale beyond. Mm-hmm. It'd be pretty cool to do like mutiny and like uh, throw the captain overboard and stuff like that. Right. Exactly. Like I'm sick of captain Viz. <laughs> Just chuck him overboard. Yeah, lock, lock him in the ice room. <laughs> Have you ever locked them in the freezer at work before? No, they've got they've got escape buttons on the inside, so you can't do it. But ah, oh, damn! I was gonna say, has anyone locked you inside this the freezer before? <laughs> no, no, I quite like it. It's nice in the freezer though. I'll sit eat my lunch in there sometimes. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, okay, what's your number one? So I think my number one should be obvious. Uh, I think it's the Xbox showcase, to be fair. I also have that at number one. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't think it was the most creative show of the whole week. But it's definitely the strongest show that we had all week. The most high-profile titles highlighted during one of the showcases. The most hype-inducing stuff that we really saw during all of the showcases. Uh, This was jam-packed, dude. 95 minutes, and they spent every single one of those minutes smartly, right? There was minimal stage presence. They they really only were talking on their digital stage when they had to be, um, and even when they were, it wasn't that long. Like, even during the Starfield presentation, which was my personal favorite thing of the showcase, was that entire deep dive into Starfield. Pete Hines, or I'm sorry, not Pete Hines, Todd Howard was literally only shown like in between stuff as they transitioned from one section to another in the Starfield uh, trailer. My God, does that game look great? <laughs> the flex at the end was incredible, to be fair. Dude, that's why we had to open that way. A thousand fucking explorable planets that they said you could land anywhere. Mm-hmm. That so is mind blowing. Makes me wonder if any of it's like procedurally it's like, generated. Yeah, semi procedural. So you think, oh, like a thousand planets. That's that's a hell of a lot. Um, so I wonder if there's just going to be like, oh yeah, it's a thousand planets, and like loads of them have got little things to find, and just Easter eggs of like, I don't know, someone in the office got his picture of my dog, and then <laughs> Todd's like, go on, we'll chuck it in on that planet. That's an Easter egg, and anyone's got anything else. Um, and so yeah, just like he's just taking anything from everybody and he's chucking it into this game because a thousand planets is an absolute monster, a monster number to fill. No Man's Sky has a fuck ton of planets as well, right? Like they have more than a thousand planets but they are procedurally generating those planets as you find them. I have to think that, like, there has to be some of that going on here, but maybe not. 
I mean, I, I could honestly th- see Bethesda being the type of fucking psychopaths that could potentially design a thousand planets. Obviously, a lot of those planets are probably going to look and feel very similar. Like there has to be some sort of cookie cut paste type thing that's going on here in order to get to that amount of planets. Maybe it would just be the the local animals that you find on that planet or the fauna or whatever that's different. But um, there are going to be, speaking of psychopaths, there are going to be psychopaths like myself that try to explore all thousand of these planets. It does, like, I know uh, Skyrim had, uh, like, perpetuated side quests so that it always it would never end because there'd always be something to do. But, like, the, the way you describe, like, a thousand planets, it kind of feels like, okay, this could be the game to end all games. Like, I could never need to play anything else if there's a thousand planets go through. Especially um, if the game actually plays smooth and, and fluid. Like, you know, if it, if it releases and it doesn't come out full of bugs like Bethesda games usually do, I, I'm not confident that it won't. I mean, it's Bethesda we're talking about. And, and as, as the trailer went on, Starfield really, really looks like a Bethesda game in certain aspects. Like, I'm not expecting anything groundbreaking in terms of the gameplay, but I'm expecting and hoping for something fun. Yeah, I do. I do fully expect uh, it, to, it to be a Bethesda game and feel like a Bethesda game. Like, I walk into a town and uh, a guard will run up to me and uh, like sort of give me a quest, or I'll walk into a bar and just talk to someone and they'll give you a quest. I fully expect it to play and feel like a Bethesda game by like, through and through. Yeah, absolutely. What was your favorite takeaway from the Xbox Bethesda game showcase? Um, so Starfield was the obvious one, and then I had like three that I sort of jump between. If I if you take that one before me. Uh, but we do have to say that we saw Silk Song, and that was like the second, the second thing, second or third thing that came up, and it was, it was like, the yeah, second thing after Pass. Redfall. Yeah, yeah, it's on Game Pass, uh, which is amazing to hear. But they did say the showcase was like everything you could play in the next twelve months. We've got to kind of assume that like if we don't get Silk Song this year, we'll get Silk Song before the Xbox showcase next year. Next year, correct, correct. I, I do still have I do still have hopes though that this game makes it out for the fall. Like I I want to assume that it does. Yeah, I mean I, it's the top game on my fantasy critic. This doesn't make it. I, I've already lost three other games on my fantasy critic. Uh, <laughs> I'm just about done now. To be fair, like, there's no hope for me. But the other two games. What, what else can I replace it with? Everything else is taken. <laughs> right. Uh, the other two games I did have written down were uh, Plague Tale Requiem. I think that yes, looks pretty cool. It really uh, does. We saw some of it at Tribeca, and you said Tribeca it didn't look very far along. But like the trailer, the trailer we got um, today looked much more. It looked much more clean and sharp, and like that they were nearly finished, sort of thing. Right. What was the third game that you had written down? It's going to be Diablo Four, isn't it? It's got to be Diablo Four, baby. That's definitely one of the games I wanted to pick out and talk about from this showcase. Uh, Kyle and I were joking around when they were first introducing the Necromancer because I even stopped myself. Right, like right at the beginning of the trailer, I was sitting there and I was thinking, and I was like, "Is this?" And then I stopped myself because I didn't want to say Diablo 4 because I didn't feel like the trailer was Diablo 4. And, and Kyle pointed out why in the in the chat on YouTube during that video, because the cinematic didn't feel like a Blizzard cinematic. Like it really it really didn't have the same type of budget that we're used to seeing from Blizzard cinematics. But. I am very excited that it was Diablo 4 and that they did spend, you know, five plus solid minutes talking about Diablo 4 because as they highlighted a lot of the gameplay and now that we know 
you know, they speaking of Blizzard, they also showcased Overwatch 2, which is actually going to be releasing free to play in early access on October 4th of this year, which is pretty, pretty big news. I know a lot of people are going to be jumping into that. Kyle even said he would and I likely will be, too. It's free to play. But Diablo 4 really looks like an MMO. It looks like the closest we're probably ever going to get anytime soon to a world of Diablo. And it looks and feels much more what I want from a shared world Diablo game outside of Diablo Immortal, which, you know, Sean and I have been playing, as mentioned earlier in the show. Yeah, it just it just looked very open and very expansive. I'm pretty sure they said you can go any direction you wanted. Uh, there's going to be loads of post-game content. And, like, it looked a lot sharper than... Because I've only played... Diablo 3, yeah, I think that's the last Diablo I played. Yeah, that's the, yeah, the most recent before this one. Yeah, yeah, but that was like a long, long time ago. I'm pretty sure that was like launch window for the PS4, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, no, that was 2012 or 2013, yeah, that game came out. Yeah, so it feels like a long time ago for me that I played the Diablo. And then obviously, like, the graphics weren't as sharp back then, but this stuff, what was shown off, looks really sharp. Uh, Yeah, I can't wait to play some more Diablo Spare. And this was, I believe, the only title during the Xbox Bethesda Showcase that did not have the Game Pass tag attached to it. So it makes me wonder, I I have to assume actually that this game will be on Game Pass for at least console because by the time this game comes out, there's no way it comes out in, in 2022. It even said 2023, if I'm not mistaken. But Microsoft's purchase of Activision Blizzard will be complete by the end of the year. And I would assume after they own them, after they are their parent company, All of their titles moving forward will likely be included with Game Pass because that's just what Microsoft does with their first party offerings. So I have to assume, even though it wasn't explicitly stated here, Game Pass, that Diablo 4 will be on Game Pass. Maybe not right away, but I would say definitely not too far after it comes out. Yeah, it all depends on once the the merger or the buyout happens. I think once the buyout happens... Then they are, or say, are they legally obligated to put it on Game Pass? Because that was their I think so. mission statement that every first party title is day and date on Game Pass. So, like, I'm I'm fairly confident. Like, even you know that that wouldn't that would include shit like Call of Duty. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it wouldn't shock me, even though the purchase isn't finalized yet. It would not shock me if, as we get closer to the release of Modern Warfare Two, that it's on Game Pass. Like, it would not shock me. Not at all. That'd be massive, wouldn't it? It'd be huge. Huge, especially because PlayStation has had the marketing deals with Activision and Call of Duty for, like, years now. So that's huge. It really is. Um, I did write down three other games that I want to give a shout-out to that was on the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase before we move on back to my number 12. I want to talk a little bit about Scorn. Because we finally got a release date, October 21st, and we got to see some in-depth gameplay uh, at both the Xbox and Bethesda Game Showcase and the PC Gaming Show. Uh, Scorn did make an appearance there as well. This game looks rad, dude. I'm so happy we're finally getting it. It looks grotesque. There's nothing I'm going to touch, to be fair. It looks really grotesque. Too, uh, too, too scary for you? It's just too grotesque, to be honest. I think I'm over the scary thing. I beat the quarry now. I'm, I'm tough as nails. <laughs> I'm tough game. as nails now, baby. I got through the quarry. <laughs> yeah, I'm just above, I'm just above horror, <laughs> 
I will be sinking a ton of time into score, and obviously that's coming to Game Pass. And, and right around the perfect time, Halloween season, I know Kyle said he would be jumping into it as well. Probably the closest he's going to get to a Doom-like game this year, so that game looks really fucking good. They showcased that other game called The Lost Case of Benedict Fox. Yes. Which looked really fucking good, dude. I was I was loving what we saw there, that gothic Metroidvania-style game. Um it looked really freaking dope. I'm I have high hopes for that game. Um I wasn't sure at first if it was a Metroidvania, but as the trailer went on, like it became more and more apparent that it was absolutely a Metroidvania. It looks really cool. Yeah, it was very much like a sort of like Victorian esque, I wanna say like Lovecraftian sort, sort of, of feel yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very very much so. And then the other game that stuck out to me was a new announcement from Obsidian, a new RPG called Pentiment. And this is actually coming from the director of Fallout New Vegas. So there is a a pretty strong team behind this game. Um, Pentiment was that like almost almost like medieval life simulator, right? You were playing as this dude who walking around through his village and then kind of making some choices. There was a, an art section where he was doing some paintings. There was a, like an autopsy section where he was taking some notes and then it moved into them, like burying the body. There was a lot going on here, but I loved everything I saw. I'm very invested in this game and it's coming this November. Yeah, it did look really cool to be fair. The art style was kind of like what you see in old medieval drawings, like paintings on the wall. That's what everyone actually looked like in this game. So yeah, Absolutely. yeah. I'm, this is kind of like a, a blind eye of the nowhere. I have nowhere release for Obsidian. I didn't know they were working on this. So it's nice to see what they've uh, I expect it to be like a smaller game, but it should have Few ideas in there, so yep, definitely, definitely. Also, shout out to the Hot Wheels DLC for Forza Horizon 5 because that looks fun as fuck coming next month. (laughs) That looked fun as fuck, dude. I'll have to reinstall Forza Horizon 5 just to play that DLC. That looks so good. Uh, my number 12 on our list of 13 showcases that we ranked, I have a feeling you know, we, we had our number 13 the same, we had our number one the same. Our number two and three might be the same, but I have a feeling four through 12 are going to be in a different order. I hope that uh, we don't get our full Heisen on the show where we don't. Right? Yeah. My number 12 is the Tribeca Game Showcase. Brian, that's my number 12. Okay. Maybe. Well, we're off to a good start. Uh, so the Tribeca Game Showcase, it was a, a much smaller scope and a much smaller deal. Um there was a few things that stuck out to me that I took notes on. The The one thing that I wrote down that I wanted to highlight as my favorite thing from the showcase was Venba, which okay, yeah. was the like sort of Latin American art style inspired game about cooking and finding recipes and like using food to connect people together. But it also seems like it has like a very emotional twist on it as well. Um, and it seems like a fun puzzle game. Like that definitely is something I absolutely want to play. But this showcase was, you know, pretty decent. Like it was OK. It was just much smaller in scope. There are other games that were highlighted that I'm absolutely interested in. But I want to see what you have as your favorite from this before we continue. OK, so my favorite from this was a game called The Cub. Oh, I had a feeling. Um, I did pop it in Discord that it was a sequel to uh, in this year's Game Challenge. I beat, I beat this quirky little golf game called Wasteland Golf. Yeah, I remember um, that. 
Yeah, and it turns out that the cub is like a, a yeah, fuck it, it's a direct sequel to Wasteland Golf because what happens at the end of that game is pretty much what is at the start of this game. Um, and it, t- it took me for a loop that this was actually um, this was actually a sequel because it's like it's a very different in gameplay. Obviously, like Golf Club Wasteland is a golf game uh, where you like knock a golf ball around like supermarkets over obstacles and stuff like that. And then the cub is uh, what looks like a puzzle platformer sort of game. Um, but the the weird, the really weird like radio nostalgia mars radio station seems to still be intact it's gonna be a load a load more like really weird music and stuff in it um so yeah yeah i'm super excited about whenever it comes out would i need to play golf club wasteland to understand the cub i wonder what would you say if you were just to play the cub would you still understand it like what well, yeah like because this is basically like you said picking up right where the other one ended more or less I wonder if I would get more enjoyment out of this having played through the, you know, Golf Club Wasteland first. Um, I think, yeah, to kind of understand, like, what the world is doing and how it's been set up, then I advise playing Golf Club Wasteland first. But you can pick it up. I think when I picked it up, it was, like, what would be equivalent to $2 in the sale on the eShop, and it took me about four or five hours to do. So it's not a massive price ask, and it's not a massive time investment to sort of get, get in there. Yeah, definitely. I might have to check that out then. Uh, Giving a shout out to a few other games that were showcased during the Tribeca Game Spotlight. We had Thirsty Suitors, which is that like RPG dating game that looks so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part of that trailer was, um, was it much like in Final Fantasy where you get summons? She like, yeah. sum- summoned her mom. Um, so the mom appeared as a summon, like took a flip flop off and the guy it. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we both started laughing at that point. That was very funny. Yeah. This has been a game that's been on my radar for a while now. I'm I'm very much looking forward to to checking that out. Um we did see I think this was our first time we saw As Dusk Falls, and we would see that a few more times throughout the the week of showcases. I did not realize this was actually being published by Microsoft and is actually coming to Game Pass. So that being said, I will most certainly play As Dusk Falls when it comes out because, again, why not? It's on Game Pass. Um, We did get a deeper dive into the Cuphead DLC here, Delicious Last Course. That obviously looks good. They spent some time exploring Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals, which is a game I actually have on our Fantasy Critic League. Uh, I do hope that gets confirmed for release date soon. But the other game that I want to showcase and, and, and highlight here real quick is Immortality, a game that was first shown off here at the Trebekah Game Spotlight, but then we would see it again earlier today at the PC Gaming Show. This is Sam Barlow's latest game, obviously the dude behind her story and telling lies. He is very fucking good at these interactive, like, you know, it's a game that is actual footage but the the entire idea of the game is to like you know do research and be a detective and hunt down clues by looking at this video and trying to piece everything together to figure out what actually happened to marissa marcel this is such a cool fucking concept for a game that's actually rooted in a true thing Okay. Yeah, yeah, it does look super cool. All the, uh, the clicking on parts of the video and then it expands into like a different different clip and it moves around. And yeah, it's really hard to explain what's actually going on. I, I am I am quite intrigued by it. I think because I know Marissa Marcel is not a real actress, but I think the story that's being told here is based on some like cult legend from Hollywood. I don't remember where I saw that. I would have to try to dig it out and find it. Like, this is just, you know, like a a take on that or something. 
but um, this looks really fucking cool, dude. This looks really fucking cool. It's definitely a game I want to play. Uh, all right, number two on your list. What do you got? So, um, yeah, number two on my list is going to be the Day of the Devs. That's also my number two. It is your number two. It is my number two. Whoa, Brian, we were four for four. I think we're going. <laughs> I'm not being a prediction, but I think we're going to do it. <laughs> Can we do it? Strapping, Can we actually guys, do it? Can we actually do it? Dude, this showcase was really fucking strong. Yeah, just like last year, like Day, Day of the Devs was my favorite conference last year because it was just so creative, so colorful, so many like unique things there. Um, and then this year, yeah, it, it didn't hold back and it was exactly what I was expecting. Um, it, was, it was great. My personal favorite um, was a game called A Little to the Left. I had a feeling. I would have been <laughs> disappointed in you if you didn't have that as your personal favorite. Um, so it was kind of like this year's unpacking. Um, you get to like put things in a neat little order and all are very like calming and, and relaxed. Um, but there's a cat in the game, so sometimes the cat will like swipe everything <laughs> you've been working on and nudge you off. And, oh, pretty much gonna... like pretty much like your life, right? Yeah, yeah. Gotta, lo- gotta love the kitties. Uh, so I'm sure when that happens in the game, it's going to be annoying as uh, annoying as fuck. But it's a cat in it. Gotta love. That's like my cat Binks, the the all black cat that I have. He's he's a fucking pain in the ass, man. <laughs> he he climbs on shit that you don't want him climbing on. He finds his way up to the top of the fucking. He found his way into the ceiling the other day. Like I don't know how the fuck that cat does it. <laughs> I love that. He was because there's a window. Uh, you know, I currently rent out my, my buddy's basement. So, um, there are windows down here, but there's a window particularly above where we keep the litter boxes and that's next to the washer and dryer. So he was able to jump up on top of the washer. And then last night at like three thirty AM, I heard meowing. I wasn't asleep yet. And I go in there and he's just fucking hanging on the window, like just staring out the window. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking psycho, man. He's a good cat, though. I love him. I'm glad I got him back. Um, my favorite thing from the Day of the Devs, and then I'm sure we're going to recap some of the other games that was shown off here because there were a lot of really cool, um, really cool announcements and showcases here at this. But my favorite was Animal Well. Animal Well, if you don't remember, was that pixel art Metroidvania, super colorful. Uh, you were like, you had like a boomerang or some shit that kept bouncing between some of the switches as you were exploring the level. Um, it, it had a super strong vibe, dude. I was digging the hell out of Animal Well. Yeah, I do. I do remember it. It's just an, it's just a name that doesn't fit with what I was seeing on screen, so it didn't, uh, didn't connect with me. Um, did I didn't I didn't put two and two together that that's what it was to be fair. But yeah, I thought this game did really well with its like lighting effects. Like, yes, even though it was it's 2D, beautiful. Uh, pixelated, like the light was seemed to be like a big sort of mechanic in the game. Um, yeah, you know, very flashy, great music. Yeah, another beautiful. another solid thing from the day of death. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of solid things, like I said, I I, I do feel like a a good majority of what we saw at this showcase was pretty solid. Time flies. Looks amazing. You literally play as a fucking fly and, you know, flies have a very small lifespan. So you're just going around and and trying to do menial stuff while not dying. Uh, I I think that game looks super rad. Um, 
Planet of Lana. Obviously, we saw an update on that, a side-scrolling game that I have been looking forward to from Wishfully Studios here for years. I was hoping to get a release date confirmed at one of these showcases, but it didn't happen. Uh, still just says 2022, so hopefully that'll that'll come out sooner rather than later. How about Choo Choo Charles? That game looks fucking dope, dude. You're riding around on this fucking train that you have to maintain, but you're being chased by a killer train. Oh my god, that game looks dope. <laughs> killer train, a killer train with spider legs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. Uh, this is where we saw Baron Breakfast. So Kyle was very very pleased because you know we found out this game was coming out on July 28th. Uh, Baron Breakfast looks so dope. I, I will be absolutely picking that up and playing the hell out of it when it comes out. There was a game called Nyad where you play as like a river guardian and your entire point of the game is to like move about and, and keep the peace and the harmony throughout the river and the world and clean up humans bullshit. Like seems like a dope game. Was, this the one that was, was that like slightly pixelated? Was that pixelated? Kind of. Sort of. It's not the, the it's not the shot it's not the shadow game. Were they rowing down the river? Were they rowing down the river on leaves? Um no, I don't think so. Okay, okay. No, I don't think that was that one. Um there was obviously Roots of Pasha, which yeah. had a demo that debuted afterwards. That game looks really good. We've been waiting for that now for a while. I'm pretty sure we covered that on Kickstart My Heart a while back. Um that game looks really good. There was a game called Shkim or Shim, S C H I M which is a gorgeous fucking shadow-based game where you are playing this, like, fish or shadow being or something that is more or less, like, swimming around in the shadows, jumping from shadow to shadow to get around. That game looks so fucking cool. I can't wait to play that. Um, Fox and Fog Travelers, the demon of Adashino Island, also looked really good. There was Birth, that game about, like, a point-and-click game where you are basically trying to make friends, but you're building these friends, and it's very macabre, right? Like, it deals a lot with death and these just, like, unsettling imageries. It's really cool. Uh, How to Say Goodbye is another one that I thought was really cool at the uh, at the showcase. That was like a a puzzle based game where you have to move this like conveyor belt system around to shift the world around you and solve puzzles and progress through the levels. And then they closed out with a game that we're going to talk about later for Kickstart My Heart, Little Nemo and the Guardians of Slumberland. Okay, wicked. Yeah, so we'll we'll save that discussion for later on. Uh, all right, back to me, number eleven on my list. Can we keep it up? We are four for four so far. Number eleven on my list is the Limited Run Games Three Showcase. Oh, Brian, no, Limited Run was actually number five on my list. Oh, number five on your list. I broke the full housing, and uh, I broke it strongly. Damn. Okay. Well. Let me say that I did not watch the Limited Run Games 3 showcase when it aired live. I did go back and check it out kind of piecemeal after I got off work that day. I watched it kind of in spurts, like I watched a little bit here, a little bit there. Uh, the only thing that really stuck out to me that I was super invested in and, and was something that wasn't just like, now, don't get me wrong, I fucking loved the presentation style of it, right? This, like, 90s FMV style video game that Limited Run Games tends to always do. They've been doing this for years now. The biggest thing for me out of the showcase was the new trailer for Blossom Tales 2 and the release date being confirmed for August. Yeah, um, I didn't play Blossom Tales 1, but I, I'm now invested in Blossom Tales 2. Uh, and Blossom Tales 
Blossom Tales 2 will mean a lot to us on Blood and Destroyers. And when we record that, I find out then why it does. Um, my favourite. Okay. Uh, one of my favourites from this show was obviously we got a new trailer for River City Girls 2. Yes, we did. It showed off um, that there are like six playable characters, the world's even bigger, like loads of new moves, stuff like that, but then didn't give us a release date, which was heartbreaking. Um, then there was another game called um, the plumbers, plumbers don't wear ties. Plumbers don't wear ties. Yeah, a, a remake of that horrible '90s game. Yeah, so um, I did. We did cover this on the on the uh, fans podcast, um, but they did this great thing at the end of the trailer for the fan for the um, plumbers don't wear ties, where it was like they announced it was a, uh, like a remake or something, and there like a promise has been made, um, kind of like spoofing on when Final Fantasy VII remake was announced. Like, right, the, the promise has been made. Um, so I thought that was really good. Uh, but Way Forward had a really good, great presence in this showcase they had a lot of games there um and one of them that stuck out to me was a game called spidersaurus ah oh, i do remember that one so from what i remember it's a lot of like neon and bright green and it was very like contra-esque and there was bullets everywhere and it was like a beautiful pixel art um, yeah that's that's all i can really remember on it but i remember walking out being like yeah spidersaurus was one of the best things i saw there yeah i remember spidersaurus that's a way forward game right mm-hmm. yeah yeah, and then I will. Uh, they did announce that the the collector's edition for TMNT like comes with a a shredder, a little shredder action figure, a shredder action figure, and then um, a personal pizza. So God knows where you collect your personal pizza from, but that's definitely Pizza Hut. Cool. Got to be Pizza Hut, dude. That was their sponsor. Yeah, got to be Pizza Hut. <laughs> oh man. Well, that was the limiter on games three. I don't have a ton to say on that one. I literally only wrote down Blossom Tales two, um, because most of that was just obviously talking about physical game copies coming out or just showing off trailers that we had already seen before. Like, a lot of those trailers weren't even new trailers. So that was a little disappointing to me. What's number three on your list? Is this copy Devolver Digital's countdown to marketing of marketing? Yep, that's also my number three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, thing was a, that thing was a ride, wasn't it? Dude, that was a thing of beauty. The, De- the Devolver showcases have just been getting crazier and crazier as the years have gone on. Um, I love what they do, right? All of their shit connects. They use the same actors. Nino was back. Uh, like it's, they had Suda fucking 51 in a giant mech just raining havoc and creating the video game singularity, which was amazing, right? I want to play Tom Clancy's Animal Crossing. I think that'd be a fun game. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was batshit crazy from start to finish. It really was. What was your favorite thing from the showcase? Um, so I think I'm going to have to pick, uh, is it a, a Pippi Squire? Oh, the Plucky Squire. The Plucky Squire. I'd really like this. The Pippi Squire. Yeah, this the one that started. The Pippi Squire. Yeah. Um, so it started off as a um, sort of like a side-scrolling, very bright, uh, like a platformer. Was it a platformer or just like an adventure game? Sort of 2D. Kind, kind of like a 2D adventure game, but there was some platforming mechanics right because once you this game started out showing like storybook style visuals and moving about the pages but eventually in the trailer the character jumps out of the book and starts moving about in this 3d world that just was so fucking mind-blowing looking dude it was really cool it was really cool start of the trailer he's walking into a bedroom and it looks kind of like sort of toy story-esque like he walks into a kid's bedroom and then it goes down to the book uh, which is the pippy squire the pick yeah whatever it's called 
um, yeah, and the gameplay's all on the pages, and we were all like, we were watching it, and we watched it with other people, and we were like, oh, that looks really cool, like having the edges of the page like there. Um, so it was a really great visual. And then when he jumps off the page, I was I was blown away. I wasn't expecting that. And then we see him running around the room, and then in other parts we see him doing like parts of a level like on the side of a cylinder. So I don't know when he's going like up the bin, and then it's like part of the part of the map is on the bin and going round in other places. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Really cool fucking trailer. I know that was one of my favorites from there as well, but not my favorite actually. My favorite game and trailer that we saw during the Devolver Showcase this year was Skate Story. I was blown away because we had seen Skate Story before, right? Like this is a game that we had seen a while ago, but it had a much different style then than what we saw here. Now it's got this trippy fucking psychedelic look like this would be a a great game to trip to and just play through, man. It's got the perfect (laughs) soundtrack by Blood Cultures that fits the theme of this game. Um Shit, man, this looked really cool. And you're you're skating around on the skateboard, but you're made of glass. Like, if you fall over, you just shatter. Like, it's so fucking crazy. It looks so cool. Yeah, it does. It was uh, was really trippy, to be fair. As you said, last last time we saw it, like, it definitely didn't look like what it did now. It definitely had a no. visual upgrade. Yeah, definitely exciting, too, to see that. Um, they did show off Angerfoot, which is, like, another beat-em-up coming... In next year, sort of like Hotline Miami esque, where you're just running around and uh, and not hot, not Hotline Miami in terms of gameplay, but like presentation style. But you're running around and you're just beating the shit out of people with your foot. That was cool. And then we did get confirmation that Call of the Lamb is coming out on August 11th, which is cool as well. Yeah, that's that's another one we've seen uh, quite a few times, but. It's, uh, it's good to get a date on it. It's good to be uh, I'm ready to play Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well then, back to me, and number 10 on my list is the Gorilla Collective 3.0. Where'd you have this one at? Number six. Number six, okay. So we definitely had our our lower end outside of number 12 and 13 definitely mixed around. I wonder if our number four will be the same. We'll find out when we get back to you. Um, The thing that stuck out to me most here at Gorilla Collective 3, outside of the fact that the showcase wasn't nearly as boring as it's been in the past years, right? Like... The, the two previous Guerrilla Collectives were were pretty rough to get through, but this one definitely had a much quicker pace. Uh, they they broke stuff up into individual, like, genres, which I thought was kind of cool. thing that stuck out to me most was a deeper dive into WrestleQuest. I'm very excited for that game. Yeah, see, I liked, I liked what I saw of WrestleQuest, but I was watching it with Fizz, and he's not really into... He's not really into wrestling, and he's not into uh, his turn-based you combat, slapped really. him. You should have slapped him in a sharpshooter right then and there. Show him what a stunner is, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the down drunk beer. Um, but I didn't think I like I liked what I saw, but I know I feel like for anyone else watching that, it looked very slow paced. Like I don't think it was the best kind of way to show off WrestleQuest. And I think that is probably honestly though, that's going to be how the game plays because like they were talking about during that trailer, if you just sit there and, and mash a button and try to get through the battles, the crowd, which plays a big part in the combat system for WrestleQuest, since this is a wrestling based game, the crowd plays a big part in the battle so you have to like approach it slower and and do things like flashy moves and signature moves and tag team moves like i actually enjoy the hell out of that i think that's really neat cool yeah as i said i i liked it i was into it i just thought it was uh, as it was um the three games i picked yeah the three games i picked out from uh gorilla collective was there was a game called alterium shift Look very much like an old school 16-bit rpg that was the one that um 
I'm, I'm looking at it now, yes, this is that Super Nintendo-inspired RPG that had fishing and shit. Yeah, this game looked yeah, great, yeah. actually. This game looked really great. So, like, I was watching the trailer, and I was like, yeah, this is good, this is good. And then it went, oh, it's got fishing. And I was like, yeah, I'm sold, mate. I'm absolutely sold. Give me a 16 I even, I even said that. I know you probably haven't watched it, because I just posted the reaction video that I did, and I don't even know if you're going to go back and, and watch of it. Course. But, um... I, I did put up a reaction video to the stuff from yesterday since I wasn't able to do it live. I did have a breakdown mentally yesterday morning, Saturday morning, and just wasn't in the right mindset to sit down and do some reactionary content. But I did put this up, and I even said as soon as that part hit, I was like, I like fishing in my RPGs. I'm sold. <laughs> Basically. Great way to think alike. Um, Indeed. So yeah, there were like two other games. Um, one of them was uh, Cassette Beasts. Yes, a game that we've seen a decent amount on over the last couple years. But did we actually, this did not get an actual release date yet. But man, does this game look really fucking cool. Yes, this is one that's like the Pokemon-esque. And then you can like, you put the cassettes in to like mash them together. Right. And make new monsters. So I was playing Floppy Nights the other week where we talked about it. And, like, during playing Floppy Nights, I was like, I remember a game that was kind of like this, collecting monsters and doing stuff with them. But, like, this doesn't feel like the game I'm trying to think of, but I couldn't think of what it was. And then as soon as, like, the cassette beast, because, like, Floppy Nights is floppy discs and cassettes. Obviously, cassettes. Um, yeah, as soon as the cassette beast trailer came up, I was like, that's that's what I've been thinking That's the one of. you were thinking of. <laughs> yeah, for the past, like, two weeks. Um, so I was super pleased to see this. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to play it. Yeah. And then the uh, the last game I picked out was a game called Inoki Island. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this was, it just seemed like a very sort of chill, there was combat in it, but it was like a very chill, like, island sort of, like, you can do some farming, you can save the island, do a lot of bits, stuff like that. But as it was going on, I was like, I recognize these, like, the animals and the creatures that are in there. There was like a little, kind of like a mogi. Is it like a, what's the uh, little white thing from Final Fantasy called? A, a Moogle. A Moogle. Kind of like a white Moogle-esque cat. And then there was another, um, there was another like um, NPC who was kind of like tall, thin neck, look a bit like a lizard. It's like, I recognize all these designs. Um, and at the end, they were like, yeah, it was, um, yeah, in Oki Island, an Earthlock adventure. So, Correct. Um, it's, ty- it's tied to Earthlock, is it not? Yeah, Earthlock Festival of Magic was an RPG that came out um, some point last generation that I picked up and I really liked. I, I thought it was really cute and I liked this art style. Uh, yeah, a turn-based that. JRPG. Bedroth yeah, and I yeah. just talked about it uh, on the Hiroki Kakuda episode of BG Mania because Hiroki right, Kakuda so. did music for that game. Wicked. Um, yeah, as soon as I saw this was an Earthlock game, I was like, right, okay, I'm give this a shout out yeah definitely um i mean i wrote down a ton of stuff from the gorilla collective three that i'm interested in putting on my on my uh radar south of the circle looked good the last worker looked good nine years of shadows looked good zoetti looked kind of good greed Ventory looked kind of good flat eye there was definitely some stuff that i was intrigued by here at the gorilla collective showcase that's for sure but not enough to get higher than number 10 on my own list <laughs> savage, what do you got at number four Number four, because I thought this was uh, better than it had any right to be and compared to what we got last year, and I think they might have done one the year before that, they were, this one was definitely very ad-filled, but they showed off so much stuff that I couldn't believe they'd actually pulled out of the bag, and that's the IGN uh, Summer of Games. Hey, that was also my number four. Good, 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 good. See, um, we, we actually had our top pretty, pretty solid. We fell apart like halfway through. 
we fell apart halfway through. Yeah, so I think like um, Xbox was strong, Day of the Dead was creative, Devolver was funny, and then I kind of went with like stuff that sort of kept the pace really well and showed a lot of different things um, that I was interested in. Um, but yeah, on the IGN, on the IGN showcase, uh, we got River City Three Kingdoms, which was yes, another River City game. I know the trailer's been out for a while, uh, but it's just nice to see it and get a, an update. Um, there was one called uh, Call Keepers, which I believe was just like a DLC expansion. Yeah, DLC for a, for a game that's already been out now. Corekeeper came out uh, March 8th of this year. And okay. it's not a, an expensive game. It's in early access. It's only $13. But it is like a full online co-op game as well. Like, it's a pretty cool game. I need to pick it up and play it, especially because that Sunken Sea update that they showed here and later on. I think we even saw it during the PC gaming show today. Um... The, the, the update looks great, dude. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I got there was a game afterwards after Call Keepers that was uh, called a place for a no, no place for bravery, which I was convinced was Children yes. of Mortar two as it was yes. playing. It was like very much looked like Children of Mortar, very much playing on the whole like protective family thing. Uh, but it, it wasn't. I didn't see who made it. I didn't. I don't know if it was Dead Mage Studio. Um, but yeah, this thing looked awesome. But then. We saw Roots of Patcher again. Mm-hmm. Saw another game that was like, um, so I, I swear I was going to get copyright infringement from Stardew Valley called Super Zoo. Dude, Super Zoo Story. Was it called Super Zoo Story? Yeah. 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 So it looked like pretty much identical to Stardew Valley, but then had sort of like, yeah, obviously a zoo, a zoo sort of theme to it as well. Like that did look really cool. Um, then uh, Gory, the uh, the cat, well, the trailer started, it was like, play as a cat who rides a hoverboard who kills unicorns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm so, in. <laughs> yeah. Speaking my language. You even said you wanted a return of Blinks. This is as close as you're going to get. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I felt like, um, yeah, the trailer started off well, and then it showed some gameplay, and I was happy with the gameplay that I saw. So I was um, I was really happy with that one. And then the last one, I know you said, like, pick one for each showcase, but there was loads yeah, on this showcase. Um, the last one that I really enjoyed was A Quiet Farm. Where you're playing as a cow? Yeah, yeah. So this one started off like, oh, it's a quiet farm. And you just like, oh, there's this cow wandering around grazing. And I was like, you know what? I could get into this just like a cow life sim. I don't hate it. And then like aliens come along and then the cow starts like charging and knocking people over and knocking stuff over. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, this actually looks quite a lot of fun. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. A um, few other games you actually didn't mention that I want to shout out. Uh, and, and I'll get to my personal favorite. I'll save that one for the end. But I want to shout out Moonscars which is a like a pixel hack and slash sort of Metroidvania-esque game, um, but also has been, I think they even said it during the, the, the trailer, like a Souls-like game as well. Um, I love anything like that, so that definitely went on my radar immediately. There was a game called, um, where is it at? I'm looking through the list here of everything that was shown off here. Rose and Locket which is another like 2D action platformer game that looked really cool. I was, you know, they they did say that there would be a demo coming this October, so I have a feeling that the game won't actually be coming out anytime soon. Super colorful game, though. Uh, Definite, like, good choices in in terms of the visuals and, like, the art palette that they chose to use here for this. I was intrigued by that one. Um, Another game that I was intrigued by was Ship of Fools which is like a co-op ship defense game. And 
I think it might already be out on PC. Um, if I'm if I'm not wrong on that, but it basically is this fucking game where you are you're rowing down a river on a ship and you are trying to like fight off all of these monsters that are basically trying to kill you. It looked kind of cool. Um, Coral Island, it was nice to see that pop back up. That's a game we actually talked about on Kickstart My Heart a while back. Uh, that game still looks kind of good. There Is No Light is another game that was kind of shown off at around the same time as No Place for Bravery, the one that you mentioned earlier. This is another like pixel art hack and slash style Souls-like game coming out in September that looks really, really sick. But my favorite thing that was showcased during this um, during this IGN summer of gaming was Sacrifier, a game we've seen before, but it was nice to see it again. It was nice to get an update. Sacrifier is a new like JRPG that's coming out and it did just have a release date of 2022. But at the end of this trailer, it did say 2023. So it did get kind of stealth delayed there. But I am still very much looking forward to Sacrifier. It's not ringing a bell if I want it. You have to check it out because I know you're into JRPGs. Um, I know you saw it, and I know as soon as you see it, it will definitely re-trigger in your mind. The uh, Matoy Sakuraba is doing the music for this game. Um, it's a pretty big deal. Like, there's a lot of hype behind this game. So I, I do hope it plays well. It looked like it played well in that trailer. I wish it was still coming this year, but you oh, know what? dude, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff coming. Yeah, you remember now, don't you? Yeah, I was... I was uh... I was watching this conference while I was trying to work, uh, while I was working, so there were bits that I missed, and other bits that I only caught glimpses of. Yeah, I do remember this now, yeah. Yep, can't wait for that one. Cannot wait for that one. Man, so we had our number one, two, three, and four dead on, our number 12 and 13 dead on, number 11 and 10 were not dead on. Let's see if we can get back to it. Probably not. I have a feeling we're all fucked up at the bottom now. Number nine (laughs) on my list was actually from yesterday. (laughs) From yesterday, uh, the Future Game Showcase Summer Game Fest Edition. It was where, sorry, on your list, number nine? Yeah, number nine on my list. Number 11 on my list, Future Game Showcase. Okay. Okay, so we already passed up, uh, passed up where it was officially, but that's okay. Um, so I enjoyed this a little bit more than you. I do think the pacing of the Future Games show, like, it's pretty solid, right? They always bring in some bigger name voice actors or just people in the industry to host their showcases. And then it's pretty much just trailer after trailer after trailer, which is a solid presentation style. I don't hate that by any means. Um, I do think that, you know, this was one of the weaker future game shows that we've probably seen. They usually have some bigger stuff in these. Um, you know, they usually try to get like a triple A title or two in here. I don't think I can recall any AAA title from the future game show from from yesterday, but the one title that I picked out that I think stood out to me most is a game called The Last Faith. And The Last Faith is, I, I tend to like my Souls-likes and Metroidvania-style games. It's it's a Souls-like Metroidvania, and it just looks like fucking Castlevania, dude. This is the game that said it had a soundtrack with guest appearances by Michiru Yamani and Norihiko uh, Hibono, two of the composers of Castlevania music. Um Dude, I, I am I am so ready for this game when it comes out. Still no release date, window, anything attached to it, but I was very, very pleased with what I saw during the showcase on this game. Yeah. Uh, what you say the game was called, sorry? The Last Faith. I'm going to have to look it up on it. Yeah, go for it. That way you know what I'm talking about here, because it did look really fucking dope. 
Oh, yes, yes. You said like a Metroidvania. Yeah, it's a Metroidvania Souls-like. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it was some incredible pixel art. Like that, um, the image of like, was it like the seven-headed serpent thing? Yes! So good. uh, Yeah, all the like teeth and stuff. Yes, I do remember this day. Wicked, wicked. Um, What was your favorite from the showcase? The the one I pulled from the showcase, I think because I missed it on the other showcase, um, was getting an update on um, Planet of Lana. Yeah, Planet of Lana, yep. That thing just looks so beautiful, doesn't it? It really does, man. Yeah, just just lots of screens and like serene blue and all that all that stuff like this game was really can't wait for yeah, it yeah I know I can't wait for it either and they did like they did um like they they did have a decent amount of stuff here on the future game show like stuff that I'm actually interested in like Luto that new first person horror game or not first person but horror game that's coming out I thought looked kind of cool um there was obviously we haven't mentioned it yet but it appeared everywhere American Arcadia uh, was was pretty much in every showcase this year, but I mean that game does look cool. I, I probably will play that at some point. I hope Zanku plays Alaskan Truck Simulator. I'd be disappointed Alaskan if he didn't. Truck Simulator, yeah. Because it's literally living the the trucker lifestyle, and it even shows him going back into his cab, and like there's a bed back there. Um, if Zanku doesn't play that game, I'll be disappointed. Another game that stuck out to me from this showcase was the Entropy Center. Where you had that like talking gun and utilizing it to rewind time and you were like on this base as the fucking sun is growing and exploding basically like your your task in this game is to fix Earth basically and, and hope for the best for humanity like it just looked really fucking cool. Yeah, that game looked sure, really cool. Damn you're drawing a blank on a lot of these. <laughs> yeah you know what it is it's because it's like. I always called Summer Games Fest, but it was like being at a festival. You never like when you get home from a festival and like, <laughs> oh, like I, le- I left my tent back there. I'm pretty sure I fell out with some of my mates over this past week. I find some <laughs> new friends. Like I started off the week strong, like eating nice sandwiches and, and stuff that I brought with me. But as the week went on, I devolved into like instant noodles and packets of biscuits because that's like, <laughs> and now, like now the festival's over. My brain is just it's just melted into like I can't remember. I can't pick one game out from the other because they're all molded together. Yeah. Well, worst case is just assume it's a sci-fi space horror game. Because we've got so much of that, but that's okay in my book. I like I love those kind of games. <laughs> uh, the other two games I want to shout out from the future game showcase before we move on: Airport Sim, which yeah. I I really dug. I mean, I, I'm surprised that hasn't been done yet for a tycoon game. So I, I am very intrigued by Airport Sim. And then the other game that I want to shout out is a game that you actually posted a trailer for. I want to say two or three weeks ago in Discord, Pal World, a huge Pokemon uh, knockoff, yeah. but. It's, uh... Looks great. Cool. Does this? Uh, we covered it on the fans uh, on the fans podcast. Yeah, this Pokemon S game that devolved into like essentially like animal abuse and animal exploitation. Fucking right. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, the, what the hell is going on in that game? Right. Exactly. All right. We have four showcases left. What's number five on your list? It would be number seven on my list. Oh, because we you already had something else. The number five on your list was limited run games, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then number six was... Gorilla. The gorilla. Okay, so what's number seven on your list? Number seven on my list is going to be the Wholesome Games Show. That was number six on my list. So I, I like these shows. But obviously I do too. The, the names of the title, isn't it? It's Wholesome. It's nice. It's nice. It's cute. It's it's not combat. It's it's not sci-fi, sci-fi horror. Um, so that was a nice welcome break. There's no somber tapestries. No, no. It's like going to watch a, an acoustic set in the middle of like a metal gig. Um, <laughs> 
So yeah, it was very <laughs> nice. Um, my two favorite things for this were like the game they opened with was called Terra Nil. Um, yeah, like uh, Terra Nil looked like, great, dude. It was like a building sim, but it wasn't about building like cities and stuff. It was more just like build stuff to like what's the word called like aqueducts. Yeah, yeah, for like Close agriculture, it, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like um, put more water back in to then uh, to grow the plants or to make a swampland or to get like coral reefs in your river and stuff. And it just looked about like making making the world back to be in its natural state, and then you just move on and you progressively do that through the entire world. So I thought that was a really nice game, to be fair. Um, and then the other game I really liked is a game called uh, Potion Permit. Potion Permit looks super cool. Yes, Potion Permit looks like Stardew Valley, but with the like higher resolution in its pixel art graphics. And then um, you can go around, uh, go around a village, and everyone's got like an illness, or people have got an illness, and you've got to try and work out what the illness is. Go out and scavenge for items, build, make potions, and then fix the villagers that way. Um, so yeah, that looks really nice. I believe that has got a release date. That's coming out soon, if I'm not wrong. Um, probably, probably. I, I, I would, I would think so. Yeah, I've seen that for pre-order, like physical edition on a website. So I'm probably yeah, I, I I want to say that it even wasn't it shown off again during the it was the future game show during like when they do that weird little thing like the virtual reality floor that you can walk. Yeah, around. that's what it was. Yep, yep, yeah, that's it what it was. There. Yep, yeah, it's definitely a game I want to play. I love the art style. Um, obviously the you know going out and finding materials to fucking make potions. You can also fish, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, this game looks dope. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, the big one for me is A Walk with Yai Yai, which is that light adventure visual novel-esque game about taking your grandmother on a walk. Oh yeah, because they had her introduce it, didn't they? They did. (laughs) This game's gonna, this game's gonna make me cry, dude. This, this game's gonna make me cry. I already know that. This is our game. Look forward to it. And her grandson, I guess it's her grandson. Yeah, he was there with a big smile. Car. Yeah, so they both love each other. Yeah, it was very wholesome. To be fair, yeah, this game because you know my grandma meant so much to me before she passed away. Like this game is definitely gonna make me cry. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. Like it, it's gonna be super, super something, super special. Um, there was a lot of good shit though at the wholesome direct. Like Melodicy coming next year looks great. Uh, Lumbear Jack also well, nice to see another update on that I remember that game from a few years back that game still looks fucking crazy and good I was excited to see a trailer on Mail Time which is a game we covered on Max Level for Kickstart My Heart a yeah, while we've back got, we've got two or three Kickstart My Heart games in here didn't we we, got, uh, we did Puff Pals as well Puff Pals as well yeah in the sky or whatever it's called Islands in the Sky Puff Pals um, uh huh yep and I, I want to say we even maybe covered Ova Magica which was another game that um that that appeared during the showcase that may have been on Kickstarter My Heart in the past I loved an update on the Wandering Village I really wish that game would get a release date because that just looks so much fun to me building a city on top of a giant beast as he's walking around the world like very very Xenoblade in terms of like aesthetic into you know they they were building shit on top of mechs and Xenoblade Chronicles mm-hmm. um like these giant mechs it reminds me a lot of that but the other thing that uh was very apparent to me is that there are a lot of games with frogs in the title and frogs in them as lead characters right now yeah so we got sci-fi horror this year uh and it was sort of like bleeds of it last year so like next year get ready because everything's gonna be fucking frog games frog games frog yeah. gun a frog's tail frog gun, yeah yeah <laughs> frog's tail look pretty cool to be fair frog tail looks great dude frog tail looks, looks great similar to is it like a village story yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was getting those two games confused i thought they were the same thing but they're not uh, right but yeah <laughs> 
you've got similar sort of art styles. You go around the town, book people, do your quest. Yeah, yeah. One's a frog and one's a, one, one's a radish or something. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, but that's all I got from Wholesome. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention from the Wholesome Direct before you move on? No, apart from the t-shirts were really cool. Um, I didn't end up buying one. I, I oh, I'm going to buy one. They're only $15. I looked it up. I, I looked it up while I was reacting to it on the video. Uh, if you go to the yeti.com forward slash wholesome games, they have two, uh, two like limited edition shirts, one white one and one darker colored one. I'm I'm ordering the darker colored one. Absolutely. Yeah, see, I like the design on the white one better, but I, I won't wear like white t-shirts. I, kind of I don't buy one. white t-shirts, though. The, the shirt that I ordered last year during the Nihon Falcom like stream was a white t-shirt that had you know like their anniversary shirt. I, I know i know what you're on about yeah yeah it's beautiful. yeah it's I, beautiful. I fucking ordered that shirt yeah i have that shirt i've worn it a few times not all the time it's not one that i'll wear all the time just because i want to like keep it uh keep it looking good and out of the washer as often as possible yeah but yeah, um but... yeah i fucking love that shirt All right. Well, back to me then. We've got three showcases left. Number eight on my list is the other showcase from today, and that's the PC Gaming Show 2022. Okay, so I've got 10 on my list. Okay, not bad. Um, These shows are usually anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours. This year it it did fall around that two-hour mark. I did write down a a decent amount of stuff that stuck out to me during the showcase, like Decarnation, um, Demon School, Agent 64, Spies Never Die, Victoria 3. But the game that stuck out to me most is The Altars. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, I wasn't buying into it at the start, but then as the trailer went on, I I still can't really get my head around what's actually going on in it. But the more I think about it, the more I think it's really cool. Yeah, it's like a a weird sci-fi-esque, you know, game, survival, but you're dealing with clones or something. Like, there's, you know, people, like, on the left side were staring at themselves on the right side, and this is the studio behind This War of Mine and Frostpunk, as well as um, Children of Morta. So I I think they just published Children of Morta, though. They didn't actually develop it. Yeah, it's a lovely studio. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued by what this could become. Definitely a, a more realistic looking game than anything they've ever made before in terms yeah, of graphic definitely. style. So I have my uh, I have my sights set on this one. It should be good. What was your favorite from the PC gaming show? If um, it differs so from I re- that, um, I re- I read two down. Um, I really liked Demon School. I thought that was a really cool idea. Uh, and I read I read Synergy down, but like I've heard a black hole what that is. Now. Synergy? Yeah, yeah. Was it some kind of like? Um, oh, I know what it was. It was that time builder that had um, the really beautiful art style. I can't remember what the art style was based off. Now. Yeah, it was the. We, it was like one of the last things we saw at the showcase. But it was like I, I even said, like, dude, this looks fucking gorgeous, right? Like, mm-hmm. it w- it was a city builder or town builder of sorts, but it looked like it had more going on because, like, you were upgrading your technology and like potentially expanding on the planet. It looks like maybe you're on this like alien planet and trying to colonize it or terraform it or something. Um, it looks crazy. It looks really good. Very gorgeous. Yeah, sorry, I am, I am looking at it now. It's very like a cartoon, watercolor aesthetic. Kind of like um, the art style is kind of like sable, but not cell shaded, more hand drawn. Right, right, right. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm getting. But yeah, it looks absolutely stunning. All right. Well, we're down to two. We have the Summer Game Fest Showcase and the PlayStation State of Play. I have these ranked at uh, at five and seven. Where do you have these ranked at? Uh, eight and nine. Okay, okay. So which which one do you have at number eight? We'll talk about that one first. 
so number eight, I have uh, the Sony State of Play. And I have that at number five, actually. Yeah, so all, all in all, this was uh, was a fairly decent show. I think it only yeah. ran for about 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, it was, it was fairly quick, and we recapped pretty much everything on the show last week with Kyle and Viz, right? We went over everything that happened. So we don't really need to dive in and recap this one again. However, we didn't talk about what our favorite thing was last week. What was your favorite thing from the showcase? So I think I'm going to go with the outside pick and say uh, the Stray was my favorite thing from that showcase. Okay. Okay. I dig that, dude. We also found out that that was coming to the PlayStation Plus Deluxe and Premium tiers. Mm -hmm. So a, a big reason to upgrade to those new tiers of PlayStation Plus. But yeah, the stray looks great. I'm actually not shocked that you said that. A game starring a cat where you have to be sneaky and potentially you there's a button to take a bath. Yeah, I want to lick myself. I want to lick myself, baby. My my favorite thing was obviously Final Fantasy 16. I mean, there was no no question about that. Just getting a an update on that and finding out it's coming out in the summer. I am I am very much looking forward to playing through that game. But it was also nice to see Resident Evil 4 remake it announced and with a release date already of March 24th, 2023. So. It was a pretty good state of play, in all honesty. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible at all. Yeah, I think the only thing that let it down was the the lack of first-party stuff, but they did announce that beforehand that there would be no first-party stuff. Right. Yeah, it's just disappointing not to see God of War at this point, isn't it? I know, especially because they keep saying, like, rumors are out there saying, man, you know, we're going to get God of War in November still, right? Like, they keep saying that shit. Yep. Is it going to happen? Who knows? But they keep saying it. <laughs> Oh, and then our last showcase is obviously the Summer Game Fest showcase by Jeff Keighley. I had this ranked at number seven, and you said you had it at number nine? Yeah. Okay. I did have it at number nine. This was definitely probably the weakest showcase, I think, so far that Jeff Keighley has put on. But he did say before this went live, right, like, temper your expectations, um, he, he was trying to warn people that this wasn't going to be as action-packed and jam-packed as it's been with him in the past, specifically at Summer Game Fest, Gamescom, and the Game Awards. He usually has a pretty pretty hype uh, showcase planned every time he's on stage. This one, there's still some good stuff, right? Like we talked about earlier, finding out about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge coming on June 16th and being included with Game Pass was at this showcase. So one of the bigger moments of the week happened here. The big thing for me from this showcase, however, is that new free-to-play RTS game from former Blizzard devs over at Frost Giant Studios called Stormgate. Yeah, which we got more of a deep dive in the uh, PC gaming show, didn't we? Which we did. We even saw some gameplay during that. Yep, so that was nice to see. But this game just looks great. It looks more Warcraft than Starcraft to me, but I can definitely see the, uh, you know, the mechanics being borrowed from Starcraft as well. Obviously, these two guys, Tim Morton and Tim Campbell, are experts when it comes to RTS games. I know this is in good hands, and I'm very much looking forward to play this when it comes out in 2023. Yeah, so I, I thought it would look pretty cool. Um, I'm not really into RTS games, to be honest. Um, yeah. But I did like, I like the Aliens trailer that we got at the beginning. Like I Aliens Dark Descent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sold on it at all until like the last 10 seconds maybe. And it showed it was in isometric. And I was like, oh, okay. If it's like isometric, twin six shooter sort of thing, then I could be in on this one. Um, so that piqued my interest by a little bit. I like seeing uh, Marvel Midnight Suns. I even got yes. a new character revealed there. Mm -hmm. um, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And from what I'm hearing, like, this is much more of an RPG than people are expecting. It's a lot more, like, like Mass Effect Bioware vibes there. Where you can Which, have, like... I mean, that's exciting to me. Mm -hmm. I know you like that sort of stuff, don't you? I absolutely do. 
so yeah, more of the sort of like the Persona Five Fire Emblem three houses, like outside of battles, you get to like interact and make uh, like build relationships and that sort of stuff. I believe that's what's in here, and then it's the combat is some kind of weird uh, sort of like turn based deck buildery play with cards. Um, so I'm really we're really intrigued to see um, how that all works with the Marvel property. And we got a release date as well, didn't we? We did uh, October seventh, I think it was. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned have- it. I'm gonna interject because we didn't mention it earlier. How about Microsoft striking a deal with Atlas, dude? Getting Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, and Persona 5 Royal coming to Game Pass on on Xbox. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, I'm going to play through uh, all those again. Well, well, we're mentioning Microsoft and we're on Jeff Keighley's stage about Microsoft uh, and it's in the uh, Kojima uh, partnership. Uh, right, right, for uh, Overdose. Yeah, we didn't see anything on it, but we got um, we got Hideo Kojima at... Is it Hideo or Hideo? Hideo, Hideo Kojima. There you go. My bad, my bad. Uh, Hideo Kojima at Microsoft um, and not on Jeff Keighley's stage, which was pretty cool. Jeff was pissed, I'm sure. Right, that's why it was like temporary expectations. We ain't getting... Uh, we ain't getting, getting Kojima this time. No Death Stranding 2. He'll get Death Stranding 2 when they announce it. They might announce that at the Game Awards this year. Yeah. He will get that announcement, I guarantee it. Fair enough. But then, yeah, the the rest of the show was a lot of, um, we get some four guys. We got some, well, in fact, we get uh, Wars, not Warzone. What's the... Um... Modern Warfare 2. We had some nice campaign footage from that. Is that what you're thinking of? No, Call of Duty? The, that's the free-to-play... Um, oh, Warframe! Warframe, that's it. They spent far too long on Warframe. They did. Um, I didn't need that at all. Um, and then we got stuff like uh, Saints Row, Gotham Knights, a lot of stuff yeah. that we already know A lot of stuff about. we already, yep. A lot of stuff that we know that's coming. The the Saints Row thing wasn't even the Saints Row thing that's coming out in August. It's like a different thing called Saints Row Boss Factory. Okay. Which so like I- supposedly lets you start building your boss for Saints Row that comes out in August today. Like it's already out. You can download it for free. Uh, okay, yeah. So I think they did something similar for like four or three where they let you do the custom, the character creator thing. You can create your own character before the game actually comes out. Same okay. concept here then. Same concept here. Yep. And then they um, finished off with... Uh, go on, carry on. No, go ahead. I was just going to say they finished off with all that uh, Last of Us stuff, didn't they? They did. Yep. That was the big news coming out of the Summer Game Fest, which unfortunately... PlayStation's Twitter account dropped like two hours early, so the the surprise was kind of ruined because, I mean, I think people expected this was going to be popping up soon, but after it didn't show up at the state of play on June 2nd, people were, you know, like obviously wondering where the hell it was, but Keeley did have that as a big announcement. We had, um, we had, uh, 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 what's his name? Why am I drawing a blank on his name? Neil Druckmann. Thank you. Was out there on stage. And, of course, brought out uh, Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, you know, the the voice actor and actress for Joel and Ellie. Um, we got to see a, a pretty, you know, stills of the HBO show that's coming out and found out that Troy and Ashley did a, did a guest appearance on that, but they didn't reveal the characters that they played. Um, this is not going to be a game that I purchase again because I already own the original and I own the remastered version. So I'm not going to buy the remake called Last of Us Part 1. However, I will game flight and I will play through it. Uh, while we were watching this, I said I said in the in the chat and Carl agreed with me that like, yeah, I understand that the visuals are better and they do look better, but to me this this looked exactly how I remember The Last of Us looking. Well, yeah, it's not even that old. That's why I kept saying like this game doesn't need what they're doing to it. It's not even that yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. And they did the side by side comparison. Cool. And you could see like I still like it. <laughs> Yeah, 
definitely. Um, I don't I don't know if I'm going to bother picking it up, to be honest. They said I got the remastered version. I played through the original version. Maybe if they do a nice little collector's box with one and two, they'll pick that up at some point. I could see that happening because they specifically called this part one because the last one was called part two. Or maybe it just gets added to... It honestly should get added to, like, the premium tier of PlayStation Plus. Like, it should. Yeah, I could see them giving it, like, six to 12 months before they actually add it. They don't want to do that day one thing. Right. Which is a little disappointing, especially seeing how everything that was shown today during the Microsoft showcase was Game Pass. Like, my God, Game Pass is just such a fucking incredible deal. Right. I wish PlayStation Plus was the same. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, we only got stills of the Last of Us TV show, which was a little disappointing. And then the, uh, was it the, like, the Last of Us faction? Like, they talked about Yeah, it. there They're was, like, like some artwork for that. Show. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But they've been working on factions since... Last of Us 2 released, so well, you should have something to show by now, to be honest. You would think. You would freaking think, but I uh, guess not. But, yeah, that was our deep dive into uh, into the latest showcases for um, the Summer Game Fest, Summer Gaming, whatever you want to call this non-E3 season. Like, I had a feeling that was going to take us a while, right? We spent like an hour and a half talking about all those showcases. I, I knew that was going to be a big majority of the podcast this week. Um, we just had so much to go over and, and cover, but I think we're getting a break now, right? Tomorrow, as of the day of recording, we're recording this on Sunday evening. Tomorrow, there is a, another Guerrilla Collective, like 3.5, where they're going to go a bit more in-depth with um, some of the titles that were shown off yesterday during the Guerrilla Collective. But there's also that Capcom showcase tomorrow night as well, right? Where we don't really know what to expect. I imagine there won't be anything crazy. Um I can't Resident imagine them Evil. having any big... Yeah, we're going to see Resident Evil 4 Remake. Yeah, we're going to see the stuff we already know about. We're going to see updates on games we know about. We're not going to see Dino Crisis here. We're not going to see a new Dino Crisis show up. No, but if, if we get... um, and I've said it like four or five times in the past few days. If we get a Gotcha Force Remake HD or we get Gotcha Force 2, well, I think I might lose my shit. Um, my Seth's going to change shit. his rankings. Capcom's number one at that point. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I can hold my excitement in it. And I don't think that's going to happen because the showcase is only 35 minutes and I'm fairly certain they've already said that it's going to just be previously announced titles. Uh, like, I, I do not think there will be an announcement here. So this is definitely one worth tempering your expectations for. Gotcha Force is a previously released title. Like, we already know true. about it. It is. That is true. That is true. <laughs> if, even if it's just a port, bring it over. Like, I don't care. I just I want that game. That is, that is true. But that's pretty much it. Um, those two showcases tomorrow night, which will have already happened by the time this podcast posts, if it does when it's supposed to on Tuesday. Um, still no word from Nintendo, right? Like, still no idea if they're going to be doing a Nintendo Direct anytime soon. I'm starting to lean more into more into the camp, like I predicted last week on the episode, that there will not be a Nintendo Direct in June. I, I don't even know that there'll be another full-fledged Nintendo Direct before September, as I kept saying today during the uh, the reaction video. I, I do think it would be crazy not to have a, a Nintendo Direct centered solely around Xenoblade Chronicles 3 for next month at some point before the game comes out. But I think our next big direct might be in September, which is kind of crazy. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. If you like reactionary content, though, make sure you are subscribed over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash RPG era. We did react to pretty much every single one of the showcases we talked about on the uh, on the recap here. I think the only two I didn't react to, well, there's three. I didn't react to the Limited Run Games Showcase. I didn't react to the Trebekah Game Showcase. And I didn't react to the IGN Summer of Gaming Showcase. 
but I did react to everything else. They are available on our YouTube channel. Go check them out if you want to see the full showcases. It's worth it. It's good content. But you know what that music means, Seth. Before we get on out of here and close the episode out for this week, we do need to do a little kickstart my heart. And I mentioned it earlier because this was highlighted during one of those showcases. I don't remember which one now. Um, was it the Wholesome Direct? May have been the Wholesome Direct. This one was highlighted at. I can't remember which one it was highlighted at. But we are talking for Kickstart My Heart today, Little Nemo and the Guardians of Slumberland. Did you ever play the original ne- Little Nemo back in the day or see the movie? Okay. Uh, what did you think of this game based on the trailer that we saw during that showcase? Are you into this? Yes. Didn't this have some, did have some like, really cool music? Yeah, on a Monoguchi. Yes. That's why I'm remembering it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peter yeah. Buckman. Yeah. Yeah, this is a pretty cool game. Back. Yeah, super cool looking game. Gets wilder and wilder. Right, exactly. Like, this game, obviously, Little Nemo, is a series about, like, Dreamland, and this game's called Slumberland, but Dreamland and exploring those dreams. And throughout, like, it is a pretty trippy game. Gorgeous art, like, it just looks like a gorgeous fucking game. But it is a really cool game. So let's read about this. Little Nemo and the Guardians of Slumberland takes the retro NES-era platformer gameplay of Capcom and Nintendo favorites and brings it to a vast, non-linear world that has been lovingly hand-animated frame by frame. You'll explore as you collect new ability-granting toys and pajamas, discover enchanting lands inspired by Windsor McKay's Little Nemo comics, and encounter a colorful cast of characters all through the nostalgic lens of an 80s, 90s kid. Thank God. Obviously, we already mentioned it has a soundtrack by Peter Berkman of Anamanaguchi fame, but let's dive a little bit deeper into this game. Slumberland, the wondrous world of dreams, has been besieged by the mysterious Oblivion, which threatens to destroy this precious world and its inhabitants. It's up to you, Nemo, to save them. Explore Slumber... Ah. (laughs) Explore some... Damn it. I can't say that word, like, that quick. Explore Slumberland and collect your toys to become more powerful, enlist the help of colorful characters, and push back the Oblivion. Oblivion. I said that one right. I think I'm just tripping up at every word now. So he's obviously taking big inspiration here from games that he grew up playing through his childhood. The guy working on this game, such as Super Metroid, Mario 2, Simon's Quest, Yoshi's Island, and Calvin and Hobbes, the uh, the comic strip. Um, super cool, actually. But if you keep going down through the Kickstarter campaign, it talks about some of the toys that you'll be able to pick up and learn new abilities from, such as the yo-yo, the grapple yo-yo, the bubble wand, the pogo stick, the monster claw, and of course, the cape. And each one of these helps you progress through different areas. You know, pogo stick lets you bounce on enemies. I'm assuming the grapple yo-yo lets you traverse gaps. Yeah, traverse gaps. Um, I don't know what the bubble wand does. I don't know. I don't remember seeing that during the trailer. Do you reckon it'll put you inside a bubble and allow you to float? Maybe. Maybe, like, reach higher areas or something. Or maybe even put, like, a protective shield around you to an extent. I wonder if the cape lets you fly like it does in, um, in Super, you know, Super Mario World. Okay, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that might be a possibility. Who knows? It says here, Slumberland is a large, seamless world map. World, not map. Made up of distinct thematic zones, each full of new areas to explore and hidden rewards to discover. Each zone is being carefully crafted to have its own unique look and atmosphere. And they do show off three zones in this Kickstarter campaign. The Dream Sweat Plains, the Gumdrop Gardens, and the Mushroom Marsh. But they do talk about uh, three other ones that have not been revealed yet. Nightlight City, the Crystal Caverns, and the Haunted Hollow. And they said there are more coming. So if you look at the map that it shows there on the Nintendo Switch screen, 
it almost looks like this game map style because everything is interconnected. It sort of looks like a Metroidvania feel in regards to that, like Hollow Knight Silksong-esque, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I definitely get that idea. Yeah. The campaign goes on to talk about Nemo's bedroom. It says sometimes Nemo needs a rest from sleeping so much. If you take too much damage, you'll wake up in the bedroom. You can return to Slumberland by hopping back into bed, but first maybe change your pajamas and swap out your little buddy using the dresser and toy chest. Throughout Slumberland, you'll find beds which lead back to Nemo's bedroom and serve as checkpoints to anchor your progress as you explore the world. Oh, this is definitely a Metroidvania. Um, so some of the characters that you'll encounter are Flip, Bon Bon, and the Guardians of Slumberland. And some of the little buddies that you'll be able to pick up because these little buddies have unique passive abilities. It says there's Lampet, the Glow Snail. This buddy's natural phosphorescence can come into quite handy in dark areas. It'll even tuck into its shell so that you can carry it around. And then the other one that they show is B.O.B., the battery-operated buddy, Bob for short. A small robot with powerful scanners which can help detect secret areas. So there's a reason to, uh, you know, change out your little buddies. And change out your pajamas. Each pair empowers your toys and abilities in different ways and changes Nemo's appearance. You gotta change your PJs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this game looks rad, dude. They're targeting release date by the end of 2023. Um, they're shooting to have it out on Nintendo Switch and Steam. It did say other console stretch goals are planned. Do we have stretch goals listed in this campaign anywhere already? I don't think we do. I don't think we do. We do not. I don't see stretch goals listed anywhere on this campaign yet. But I think that might be because the game has not been fully funded as of time of recording. So this did just release on Kickstarter the day of the showcase. It's already at 709 backers, still 18 days to go, but they're at about half. So they're looking for 65,000 US dollars. It's sitting at about 34.5,000 US dollars. I hope this game makes it. Even if it doesn't, I have to assume it's still gonna come out. But I would like to see this game, you know, pass its Kickstarter campaign, get the funds needed to successfully complete it on time, and maybe even get some stretch goals if support catches on. If you want a copy of the game, there's only one tier. It's the, the first tier. Like, there's no sh there's no smaller tier, so. Yeah, I hope this game makes it, to be fair. Um, if it doesn't, it does look kind of like the unique, it looks unique in quality enough that I could see someone like Devolver. Pick someone will pick it up, absolutely. Devolver even Nintendo, right? Like, somebody will pick yeah, this up. Yeah, yeah. They won't stay on there for, for that guy. No. Absolutely not. But yeah, like I said, if you want a copy of this game and you want to help them out and pledge to the Kickstarter, the cheapest tier is 20 US dollars. It will get you a digital copy of the game, wallpaper, digital illustrated manual, sleepyhead roll in their Discord server, credited as a sleepyhead in the credits, and exclusive in-game items. And then the tiers just go up from there, all the way up to $1,000, because the $2,500 tier is gone. One backer, one backer pledged $2,500 to get, well, to become one of the Guardians of Slumberland. That's actually kind of dope. <laughs> That's kind of dope. Somebody that, you know, so one of the one of the guardians of Slumberland is a backer of this game. If I had the money, I would have done that, and I would have made the backer Frank somehow, or the, the guardian. Yeah, I was just thinking then, if, uh, if I could have backed and put my pajamas in there, then I would have done that. Oh, like if you could have designed some pajamas? What what pajamas do you wear? Don't. That's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have to back to get my pajamas in there. Is there a tier? So the $1,000 tier gets lets you design uh, Nemo's cats in the game. Design the $500 tier, yeah, design a cat for 1000 bucks. I don't. Oh, okay. Anyone the $500 tier. Let Seth, uh, design a cat. let Seth have $1,000 so he could design a cat. 
be fair, I could probably just draw a picture of a cat. It'd be much cheaper, but probably. I'm, I'm, I'm but but but, but it but wouldn't be immortalized in 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 the video game landscape. You need to have that. That's what you need. So for $150, you can actually make your pet as a constellation in the sky, which is kind of cool. Um, for $250, you get to add a stuffed animal or toy to Nemo's bedroom. Like, you get to design it and it'll be there. And then for $500, you get featured as a bust in the palace. You want to be a statue? I've got some busts, mate. You got some busts, baby. You'd be busting the walls down as they try to get that statue in there. <laughs> <laughs> This game looks great. Let's hope it makes it. I, I do want to play this. Even if it doesn't get funded, I have a feeling it's still going to come out. But I really do hope it meets its stretch goal. Or not even stretch goals. I just hope it meets its funding goal. That way you don't have to worry about it. It gets finished on time. Go check it out. Head on over to kickstarter.com. Again, the name of this game is Little Nemo and the Guardians of Slumberland. But Sev, I think that is unfortunately going to bring us to the close of the show this week. Unless you have anything else you want to mention before we get on out of here. No, thank you for everyone who stuck around. I'm sure it's going to be a lengthy show. Yep, about two hours worth of content. We had a lot to cover, so appreciate everyone sticking around. Sev, you want to close us out with some famous last words? I do, and this week I'm going to go with uh, Leonard Nimoy's uh, final public words sent in the form of a tweet. Life is like a, a life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved, except in memory. This episode of the Max Level Podcast has been brought to you by RPGera.com. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review, regardless of where you're listening. If you want more of us, check us out on YouTube and Twitch, and make sure you're subscribed or following at both places with notifications on. Links to where we can be found on social media, as well as to our Discord server, and all other important information can be found in the show notes for this episode. 